Welcome to The Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name's Kevin. My name's Daniel. And this is episode 108. Mm. Got that one right? Got it right. Fuck yeah. Love it. Wow, 108 for the gamers, dude? The gamers don't deserve it, but we're out here doing a public service to them. <laughs> There's nothing truer than saying that the gamers don't deserve it, <laughs> no matter what it is, even if they pay for it. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be kind of a main focus of this episode. Uh, things that gamers hype up in their head and then just don't deserve, even when they eventually do get it, because uh, of their yes. entitlements. <laughs> is passionate fans too expectant? We got to work on that title. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is passionate fans too expectant? Too expectant. <laughs> I like it a lot. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a different name yeah, by yeah, the end yeah, of the yeah. episode for sure. But there's plenty of other things to discuss. Uh, this week, the gaming industry decided to wake the fuck up in 2021, mm-hmm. and we had not only the first Nintendo Direct in since like last September, I believe. Yeah, I think it was over 530 somewhat days. Something like that. Yeah. That seems too much because I looked it up on Wikipedia and September 2020 doesn't seem like 500 days between like so then and now. I think what they're categorizing it as is like a Nintendo Direct versus like a mini Direct. Oh, like or, or like a deep direct. divey one? Yeah. Yeah, because like the last one was Monster Hunter for mm-hmm. Nintendo Direct. I feel like the last one might have been the showcase that had Link's Awakening remake showcase and that was like a long time ago okay so the confusing part i looked this up too Mm -hmm. is that when i say monster hunter being the thing there's many directs after the monster hunter one Mm -hmm. but they actually categorize on the wikipedia what's a nintendo direct what's a nintendo direct mini what was a nintendo direct for super um mario world Mm -hmm. or no not mario what super nintendo world Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like they all have like their own subcategories and branches it's like looking at the mcu like sprawled (laughs) off like kevin feige's just like kind of shrugging in front of a screen going Captain Marvel's gonna show up eventually. I I I don't know. Listen, we're living in Doug Bowser's world <laughs> yeah. right now. You know, fucking Doug Bowser's fury. Nintendo created the direct, yeah. and it's not our fault now that they are kind of like spurning off and going in different direction, like Mario warp pipes. You different know, different direction. Yeah. yeah. Um, where it's like Sony, like oh, they just invented the state of play, but that's all they're doing, even when they they do do it. It's so. a hell of a statement. Sony invented the state of play, <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have BlizzCon online. Yes, honestly, I didn't really. It took me by surprise that it was happening this weekend. I was like, oh, really? It's well because BlizzCon is typically in the fall. Yeah, usually but I, November-ish. Yeah, but I guess they, of course, you know, canceled an in-person event. Mm-hmm. But I figured. So they also canceled even doing an online event for November? And that's why it's happening now? Like, I didn't... I was like, what? What's going on? We're going to have to phone in Jeff. I'm not entirely sure. We're going to call in Jeff and yeah. be like, hey, man, I know you're busy on Overwatch 2, yeah. uh, which will come out in 2024, but uh, could you could you tell us what your, uh, your presentation plans are for the next year? Yeah, I mean, this event was... It was packed with stuff. I think it was yep. as surprising to me as it was Metallica that their music was being muted on Twitch. <laughs> so, I mean, it was cool. Like, there was some cool stuff for, like, Diablo 2 Resurrection, Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, which we'll get into as well. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff to deep dive into. But first, who are we? Daniel, we're the save room. Save room. <laughs> save room. Wait, wait. I actually don't know any Metallica so- songs to sing to. Off to save room, room, room land. (laughs) 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 Instant failure. Anywho, you can find us in soundcloud.com slash the save room show or Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher. There's another one out there. Google Play. Google Play. God, how how do I forget Google Play? Much like they forgot Stadia. And you can find us in RSS feeds across the universe. (laughs) 
Brothers. <laughs> Daniel, if they wanted to find our faces streaming, mm-hmm. where can they find it? Uh, they can find you, Kevin, over at twitch.tv slash the red herb. And they can find me over at twitch.tv slash dungeons and Daniels. You could find my highlights there, past broadcast. Mm-hmm. But these days, Clicks. you've been streaming there quite often, usually when you're you're bored and you need a good social uh, injection into your life that dopamine um, that dopamine um yeah. i want to talk to you real quick because you what? were streaming a fresh new game yesterday called oh. haven uh, yeah which is a hard name to google by the yeah. way you always have to put haven game by the way because oh, there's, okay. there's the haven show i think was like the stephen king show hmm. you remember that one no, where it's like oh it's every stephen king universe in the one and people instantly forgot about it but you should not sleep on haven mm-hmm. it comes from the game bakers they previously made fury which was the game entirely consisting of boss fights this one's super interesting dude it, mm-hmm. it's like a romantic sci-fi kind of exploratory open world game hmm. with a lot of um character interactions between it's about a it's about a couple right hmm. they've escaped their home planet because it sucks and apparently i think there's like a suggestions that they had a rain mar- arranged marriages going on uh-huh. and they're like no, no no no, we love each other so fuck we're fucking off right interesting so they escape their name is uh so it's you mm-hmm. and then Me? k you and k why you why you, Daniel? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's super cool. It's got a very um, very stylistic approach to it. The art style is really good. Um, the world itself is very vibrant, colorful, like hues of blue and, and green and such. And mm-hmm. a big thing is that you um, you navigate kind of like, uh, I, I, how would you say? Like you're drifting around, floating around, basically, cutting yeah. through the air. It kind of reminds me of like, flower or like uh-huh. journey and how you're kind of just like skating and traversing through the world yeah so it's it's about like constant locomotion mm-hmm. and that's a big part of the game and you also find these kind of drift lines called flow mm. that continue to power you and if you like kind of surf on those the correct way it gives you a little bit of a boost mm. uh it's super interesting and it's like it's it's tranquil it's emotional because it just really centers on this couple's like relationship like mm-hmm. in the middle of the relationship whereas i was i actually had a thread on twitter today talking about how you don't really see a lot of video games kind of center on an existing couple it's more so like oh here's a new love interest and you know will they won't they mm-hmm. or more commonly in games they fall on the trope of like love lost mm-hmm. right through tragedy or something like that mm-hmm. it's more like reflection yeah. and stuff like that exactly rather than in the midst of like well what is that dynamic right mm-hmm. what friction occurs between two different people and also how do they combine and you know come together and stuff and it's it's a lot of it's cute a lot of it's charming some of it's real as shit right Mm -hmm. like they get into little like fights and stuff because they're just different people um they're always holding hands and i think that's pretty cute yeah that's you get a trophy for that by the way (laughs) (laughs) it's called hold on and never let go (laughs) that's pretty good but uh yeah so you're always playing as these two characters together and you can switch between them on the fly, mm-hmm. but they're holding e- each other's hands and they have constant like dialogue with each other as you traverse the world. Even cool little things as you go through like, because like the open world is kind of segmented between like different um, little island areas. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that this planet is kind of falling apart and they're trying to figure out why. Because they're like, shit, we wanted to like live here because it's the closest hospitable planet. But one, it looks like people already tried to terraform it but abandoned it for some reason and two there's some sort of corruption on the land called rust which mm. they find out is the inverse of flow which is like a positive energy okay and they're just like uh why what's going on and that actually leads into combat 
Um, there's turn-based combat in the game, and it's very unique. At first, it like hurt my brain because you're controlling both of these characters at once. Mm-hmm. So K is on the D-pad, right? Okay. All of their all of K's commands are on the D-pad, and then U's commands uh, are all on the face on the face buttons, right? Mm-hmm. And so you are also benefited from like unleashing or synchronizing your attacks at once. And so, like, everything is this kind of coded metaphor for, like, a relationship, right? It's like, if you're not in sync, you're not going to do as well. (laughs) I like that a lot, actually. It's really interesting. And you're not killing enemies in this game. You're freeing them of corruption. You're bringing positivity to this land. You're, You're kind of correcting what's cracking apart so it's kind of like in sonic when you are you know destroying robotnik's machinations and freeing the flickies within you know (laughs) you're correcting the world that's that's a very um yeah that that's a dead-on analogy i guess (laughs) but it's it's a super cool game and i keep on finding myself saying that i've never played anything like it Mm -hmm. like it's not a game about conquest it's not a game about like just like constant um, even though there's a lot of resource management it's not about like accruing power or wealth it's just about growing together i think it's interesting that a game that has such separate systems they're managed to be weaved in in like in such a very um compelling way yeah there's a cooking mini game and and turn-based combat and then like this open locomotion (laughs) like movement super interesting and i Damn, playing this game, I'm just like, dude, I would love to work on a game like this, mm-hmm. right? Like, I would love to work on something that isn't just, like, a cookie-cutter cover shooter or mm-hmm. something like that, right? It, it, it's really cool. I'm about six hours into it. Hmm. And, yeah, because I played a bunch last night, too. Like, after everything was said and done, I was like, oh, you know, it's not like a game where I need to sit up for and be, like, oh, super reactive. The game even tells you at the offset, this is not intended to be a challenging game, right? It has two difficulties. Default and and mad shit like not <laughs> like like easier i forget what it was called i think it was just like reduced okay <laughs> so there's no hard in go with game. the flow mode yeah just 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 go with the flow buddy but it's it's super cool i i'm surprised more people just aren't talking about it because didn't it just come out though maybe mm-hmm. maybe it did i think it came out on steam first and then um i'm playing on a ps5 um but it's for ps4 as well I'm not sure if it's on Xbox or whatnot. Yeah, I'm looking that up right now just to see like if it is cross-plats. Okay. But that's cool. Yeah, it looked really neat. Um, I think it was Greg Miller that was shouting it out on the Gamescast. Yeah, just like the art style of it, the the music, everything about it seemed really neat. So yeah, he's the reason I picked it up. Like the moment that I like he was showing footage of it, I was like, oh shit, I want to play that. Oh, it has multiplayer too. Does it? Yeah. I thought it was single player. What the fuck? So it was released on December 3rd, 2020, um, but on... In February, so this month, it was released on PS4 and Nintendo Switch as well. Oh, sweet. Oh, wow. It's on Switch? Yes. And also available on Windows, PS5, Xbox One, Series X, all that. Probably be a pretty dope Switch game. Okay. I wonder how the multiplayer works. I'm super fascinated by that then. Um, Do I have to be in love with the person I'm playing with? Maybe you have to be drift compatible with them. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, if we're not drifting right. We could probably play it. mm, Yeah. Mm-hmm. what <laughs> it's just gonna fuel theories Listen. steve's gonna comment on, on soundcloud and Listen, be like i told you <laughs> we've never held hands we've never touched dicks but we've cooked for each other so that's right. gotta count we for cook something. for each other yeah. which is the same as touching dicks but you know our stomach dicks hmm. 
Our stum dicks. Our stum dicks. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. glad to see you get into that. Um, I picked up a newer game myself that I haven't even touched yet, but uh, I'll, I'll get into it. It's called hmm. Pathless. Oh, right, right, yeah, right. Heard so. about this. I heard that was super interesting as well. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see some flatillage. Yeah, I was going to wait on a price drop because it's it's at like that $40 kind of like, you know, double A price. And I'm just like, yeah. maybe I could wait for it to be 20 And I was like, no, the combat traversal open world elements look pretty cool for it. So, yeah. Uh, I want to see it. I'll uh, report on that more when I've played it. Yes, indeed. I, I think I probably would have gotten into it, but I spent yesterday and today just playing a bunch of Katamari reroll. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, man, going back to that comfort food, there's no problem with that, right? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, go go on your gaming journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like we place too much of a an impetus on the new, 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 mm-hmm. right? And, and I, not playing enough of games from 2004. You know. A port of a port of a port. <laughs> yeah, a port of a port of a port. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not, man? It's still a good journey. Yeah. But uh, should we get into the, the main thick of this, dude? Because we got a lot of shit to I talk about. I think we do have a lot to talk about, and we a got lot. kind of a topic as well. Did we already shout that out? I don't even know. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. But yeah, it's more about, um, do we place our expect are our expectations too high on like these gaming events these mm-hmm. pressers these nintendo directs mm-hmm. uh basically because we'll talk about the reactions to nintendo direct especially because oh god damn nintendo fans like there's Pretty vitriolic instant heat right it's almost like you got your hatred drafted and you're just like fired mm-hmm. off the second you see doug bowser <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> anyway so let us start however with the quote of the week. I always like when the quote of the week comes in because you know it's oh, either no. going to be something uplifting or something ridiculous. Oh, oh, it's ridiculous so. today. So this quote of the week actually was captured through a Polygon article by Charlie Hall. The subject matter was a game called Six Days in Fallujah. Uh, the developer Victura is re- resurrecting this canceled game mm. essentially but okay. it is about uh, U.S. Marines. It's a first-person tactical shooter. Uh, in Fallujah during... Uh, the Iraq War. Yeah. yeah like 2004. <laughs> right. So right around that era. But the quote <laughs> from the CEO of the company is just... I got to tell you, it's priceless. Here we go. Quote, For us as a team, it is really about helping players understand the complexity of urban combat. It's about the experiences of that individual that is now there because of political decisions. And we do want to show how choices that are made by policymakers affect the choices that a Marine needs to make on the battlefield. Just as that Marine cannot second-guess the choices by the policymakers, we're not trying to make a political commentary about whether or not the war itself was a good or or a bad idea. Hmm. End quote. Mr. Peter Tamte, founder and CEO of Victoria, said that. And it is um, <laughs> rightfully been dunked on left and fucking right. You're going to make a video game about war crimes, but somehow it's apolitical? I'm sorry, what? Did you did you get hit in the head and decided to like commit to a video game? <laughs> What happened here? I, I gotta ask you, I we've seen this time and time again, like with Ubisoft and Division 2, mm-hmm. and, well, actually Ubisoft in every single game that says Tom Clancy, yeah. they always come out and go like, oh, no, 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 there's no right or wrong side here, and I'm just like, why are you playing with this imagery then, mm-hmm. this overtly political imagery, in order to claim that it's, like, apolitical? What do you think is... This obsession of game developers to say that their very political game isn't anything but. Oh, ah, 
<laughs> it's it's one of those things where I think if it existed in like any other medium, they probably wouldn't even have to like double down on that idea, right? Like if it if this was a a book called Six Days in Fallujah or a movie of the same right, like I think people can take movies and other media at such face value and be like, oh yeah, that was that was a war movie embroiled in like this snapshot of this time in history, right? Um, especially something like this, which dealt with like the American invasion of Iraq. And I think it ultimately led to like the assassination of Saddam Hussein. So pretty like big political like war that happened in like, you know, the Bush administration. Are you saying war is political in some way, Daniel? Is that, is that what you're implying uh, on this podcast? I'm going to say, yeah, war is political. Can I quote you on that? War never changes. Also, can I, can you can I, quote me on that one. All right, Charlie Hall. I got a, <laughs> I got a quote from the save room. Now I, I think it's, it's one of those things where maybe it's, it's because of the medium itself and not the game the medium you know the, the nice one dude of video games and maybe people just wanting that sort of politics or identity removed for it because they wanted to be kind of like a mindless shooter mm-hmm. um may, maybe there is a part of the studio that like believes it is a political thing but they're too nervous to kind of tap into that idea yeah uh, just because of like fan pushback but honestly i'd I'd give them much more credit if they leaned into the integrity of what it is and and paint it as the thing that they're trying to make it out to be now granted i don't think we should be making video games and commodifying war in the sense and making it a fun thing to do but i think if you were like yeah we wanted to maybe say something intellectual and introspective about this time in history and have a certain lens on it i think there's nothing wrong with that but this is clearly not what they're trying to do and they're yeah. double downing on the fact that no it's not political like we're we're just really just trying to you know have a, a retrospective remove from the identity politics of an war. unbiased look <laughs> even though it's from the u.s perspective yeah but we don't want to say if the being there was good or bad or not then you shouldn't touch this material Right. And I also think it's super, it's just super icky. Mm -hmm. It's super icky to be like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to feature the U S perspective of, you know, we're, we're going in there and these, these boys can't, they, they they don't know that they're just taking orders. And I'm just like, ah, it's all fucked up because we're the invaders, Mm -hmm. right? And you're going to make a, you're going to gamify these events Mm -hmm. from the perspective of the invaders. And you're going to treat them like they're kind of war heroes in a way. Right. You know, there's a lot of complexity there. And none of that complexity is coming through, especially not through the mm. words of this guy, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but I feel like at a very, just at a high level, just generalizing, like there's a lot of things about this game that mm. I feel like even we can't touch because we're not like, you know, boned up on everything. And especially no. it it demands the yeah. diverse perspectives, not least of which maybe somebody who has some perspective on what it was like to have their home invaded. Yeah. Discuss what the impact of this game is. We're two white dudes. We're not like of Iraqi or Middle Eastern descent. Like we have no real stakes in this. So like, I feel like there's so many other perspectives that can shine like more accurate and cultural light on this. So seek those out, seek out those podcasts and, you know, essays for sure. Definitely. So, (laughs) but like at a high level, just because we keep on seeing this on a consistent basis from game developers claiming, uh, a politicalness for a game that just inherently that's not true. Mm-hmm. I think what they're doing is saying that we don't want to offend the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. which is a fan that would be like, "What the fuck? Oh, what do you mean? What do you, you? These are absolute heroes. How would you paint them in any other light? Fuck you!" And then make a big stink about it. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, it's like if you want to deal with these mature themes, you need to be able to accept the fact that we weren't the good guys in mm-hmm. that situation, and you need to be able to present that perspective. And if you're unable to do so, then you're already taking a very politically charged stance about how you want to view these events. Mm-hmm. So already, you've already shot yourself in the foot. 
right? Well, how do you remedy that, like, these games then get made in, in such a topical mm-hmm. light or, or things that reflect, like, these very touchy moments in history? Like, do you, do you think that they don't get made at all? Do you think that they maybe get made in more of a fictitious light? In the way that, like, Call of Duty maybe does it. Yeah, where Call of Duty, like, walked away from trying to, like, you know, talk about actual wars. Because, like, what makes it work in in those games sense versus where this is just kind of like, ooh, I, this is not working. It doesn't sit right with me. I would actually argue if you really dive into it, those games don't work. Okay. Right? Like, you could could pick them apart and pick apart the jingoism just present in every Mm -hmm. single Call of Duty, right? But I, I think Call of Duty did do the smart let's not say smart let's not give them too much credit but like they at least picked a path and said we're gonna kind of like really make a fictitious like yeah. lens on this instead we're- of like you know literally say that we're in the middle of Fallujah. we're gonna set our <laughs> game so far in the future and make up wars <laughs> yeah. that haven't happened yet. exactly or or focus on completely fictional events around like yeah. that are like run parallel to like let's say the vietnam war yeah, or something with black ops right yeah <laughs> th- that kind of shit where yeah. it's like yeah it's it's still cheating in a way, because it's still kind of saying we're 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 doing the uh, narrative deflection to like actually diving in yeah. and taking a bite out of these very very like complex subjects, right? I think um, one, if you're going to try to make something like this, you need to be able to give those perspectives. You mm-hmm. need to be able to accept that there isn't just one way to view an event like the U.S. invading a country and just being like, well, let's just focus on the heroes, right? There's no heroes in that, dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just victims. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Um, and then on the other lens, it's like, don't, don't yeah. make this. You're, you're, you have a lot of people <laughs> telling you not to make this. It, it fu- <laughs> Konami didn't want to fucking publish it the moment that they're like, Hey, check out this, uh, six days in Fluja. And people are like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. So some kind of like backstory, this game yeah. has been attempted to be in development for like 10 years at this point to the point where like Konami jumped off of it and it lost funding. The studio that originally was doing it went bankrupt and then came back. So there's been kind of some like turmoil with it and everything's like kind of in the tea leaves of just being like hey maybe you shouldn't make this yeah maybe you shouldn't make this (laughs) and just like and honestly it's one of those reactions too where it's like you're hearing the ceo just say things where it's like this doesn't seem like you're going about this the right way you have even veterans telling you like no 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 no. this is not the right lens yeah didn't they like pitch it to like family members and people they knew that were in war and And they they also said it was a bad idea yeah (laughs) yeah like if you have actual like veterans of war saying hey this is bad yeah maybe don't make it <laughs> you know <laughs> just the fact that they're seeking out those the those opinions and in hearing like maybe not dog yeah. and then going well i think we're still gonna make it <laughs> <laughs> just tells me you, you're going about this all wrong yeah. so it's like whatever we'll see what happens with this but i i honestly just think we don't have to do nope. this i don't think I'm not saying that video gaming is not mature to ta- not mature enough to tackle these subjects. There could be an argument about a lot of the fan base for games, not, maybe not digesting it the right way, mm-hmm. and that makes it much harder for something like this to sure. live in the gaming sphere. But I'm saying you need the right people and a lot of perspectives to even tackle something like this. Otherwise, you're just gamifying war crimes. Yeah, and I think one of the, the main problems with it is the style of game it is being like a first person war exactly. shooter yeah i think you could maybe tell a very personal introspective story maybe from both sides if you did more of like kind of a 
walking sim narrative game where it's like, oh, maybe you're telling kind of the reflective story of a war uh, veteran who right. went through the situation but maybe didn't want to be there and maybe somebody who lives in Iraq whose like family or home was torn apart. And that that's a harder story to tell, I think. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, that's inherently far more political than just saying, hey, I'm a military man with guns, shoot, shoot, kill, kill. Yeah, just the fact that you're telling <laughs> like, me you want to portray these events through the mechanics of a first-person shooter yeah. tells me you're already like off on off to the wrong course you're like you're, you're wrong from the offset mm-hmm. right like this this shouldn't be a fun shooter to play that happens to have heavy themes mm-hmm. no 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 you're honestly disrespecting an event that we're not far we're not far from <laughs> you know that we have survivors that can tell you that's fucked up doggy mm-hmm. dog and people have look at rami ishmael on twitter he went on and just fucking tore him a new one mm-hmm. they're like are you kidding me with this right and then that turned into a different fallout by the way sure. where he decided to compare marginalized groups, which was not not a great thing, and then deleted his Twitter. I'm yeah. just gonna say this happened. I'm not I'm, I'm not in games media, so like I'm okay to just say like, yo, this guy came from a place of hurt that I think was very genuine, and he mm-hmm. had a he had a uh, perspective on this that I don't think was being considered in the making of this game, mm-hmm. and it blew back because he got he decided to say something that honestly was anti-black. Mm-hmm. That's just like people were telling him, yo, this is not okay, and then he fucking bleed his twitter yeah these events just are (laughs) (laughs) you can't make it up yeah Uh, the end of this industry is so caustic doggy dog Mm -hmm. what do we do and we're just like sitting on the out like just watching as spectators like uh like what's right what's wrong (laughs) yeah i'm glad i don't have to like really commentate on all of it because some of it is so like kind of hot in the moment and some of it doesn't even like is not lended value from my voice. And I'm just like, I'm going to like stand back and let other people tell their stories through this lens. Or, I, I often very <laughs> definitely know. feel the same. I think there's a lot more power in being able to like, just step back and let the mm-hmm. right voices take over rather than just injecting your fucking mm-hmm. opinion. I mean, like, I, like we're on a podcast, like shouting into the, the, the void, but it's mm-hmm. like, honestly, like, you have to come to us to even like get that right. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not out there like fucking like on the replies going. Actually, Rami, I yeah. think that no, fuck off. With or that not shit. on YouTube, but like kind of like yeah, grab titles for our episodes. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to go like um uh, get a fucking metal detector, go out to the beach and find our podcast. <laughs> Basically, so true. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm definitely not going to buy this fucking game. I'll tell no, you that, dude. No, I think there are. There's a number of games that like really don't need to be made, and a number that definitely don't need to be played. And this is one that I, you know, like Konami, will not touch with a fucking stick. And if if you can play it and find value in it, sure, that's cool. But I don't. I don't. This is not for me. No, um, I don't think there's a lot of value for this yeah. lens on on that history. Not at all. No. But also, I think we need to stop like saying that games being political is a taboo or bad thing. I think as the medium matures and needs to reflect things that are happening in our world, whether it's identity politics or people exploring sexuality or war or, you know, emotional traumas, whatever. Like, I think we need to be able to lean into some of that stuff with earnesty, but it also, like you said before, it needs the right care. It needs the right team and perspectives. Yeah, that's it. That's what it comes down to, right? Anyway. <sighs> but it's still frustrating to see these comments be made where mm-hmm. it's just like, no, 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 we're not making a... Like, it, it, it's the funny... It's fun, Like, there might be one day a game about the fucking insurrection mm-hmm. that occurred in our country, and it'll be called Insurrection at Capitol Hill, and then the developer will literally go on fucking GameSpot and be like, we're actually... We're not taking a side yeah. on this one. It's <laughs> it's not like, a political game. And it'd be like, fuck off, dude. Absolutely fuck off. I can imagine the 
same thing happening with that movie, what's it called, Songbird, which is about, like, the COVID-23 oh. strain. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Didn't now, that come out, or? I don't know if that movie came out, actually. It, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's the same <laughs> thing, fun. where it's like, mm, well, we don't want to look anti-masker, or pro-masker. <laughs> We're just telling a kind of fictitious <laughs> science fiction story in the world of COVID. And it's like, shut the fuck up, have some backbone, <laughs> and get the fuck out of my face. Anyway, yeah. let us get into other news, my friend! I got I got a big one on here, sure. and I know you're fucking sick of hearing about it. But I am. we got to dive right back into it, baby. Silent Hill, take me to that town with my restless dreams. Silent Hill and the gamers, will they or won't they? It's it's been it's been circling the drain for twelve years at this point. Holy <laughs> shit! So number one on here is either Bloober Team is making a new Silent Hill, or a prominent Japanese developer is. I feel like or both. I need a bingo card regarding Silent Hill <laughs> and its various announcements. And there's so many names involved. Is is it? kojima is it bloober team is it the original team silent is it fucking studio japan like it's a conspiracy theory at this point (laughs) so here's where we're at for what feels like the umpteenth time rumors of a new silent hill title are fogging up the internet this week video games chronicle brought back the notion that two different silent hill projects could be in development the new contender is bloober team the polish developer behind layers of fear blair witch and most recently the medium Bloober CEO Piotr Babino. Why did I say that? That's very Polish. Very Italian, actually, is the way I went about it. Anyway, yeah. told GamesIndustry.biz the following quote We've been working for more than a year in another gaming project, another horror IP, mm. and we're doing this with a very famous gaming publisher. End quote. He wouldn't say what IP or which publisher, but teased, quote, I'm pretty sure when people realize we're working on it, they will be very excited. End quote um <laughs> i just want to stop for a second and be like that you know honestly no 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 let i'll keep on mosing hang on <laughs> i know you're thinking but that could be anything but here comes some connective tissue famed composer akira yamaoka i never say that right yamaoka yamaoka yeah thank you who has scored every mainline silent hill to date worked with bloober on the medium and has even said he's working on a second project with the developer Hmm. in an interview with ai hub which has since been removed from youtube (laughs) yamaoka hinted his next project would be revealed this summer and stated quote i think it's the one you're kind of hoping to hear about end quote oh wow okay they're doing this to us yeah they are this this they're this is collusion daniel this is what this is so but, 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 but here's the split in the road okay video games chronicle reports that konami has already outsourced silent hill to a quote prominent japanese developer end quote set for a summer reveal VGC says it was unable to confirm Bloober's involvement, but two sources have confirmed the Japanese project, which is said to be a radical departure for the dormant series. Mm. It's possible both games are in development in order to give the franchise some bench depth. VGC notes that Konami has been reluctant in the past to outsource their brands. Reportedly, we gotta get your bingo card out. (laughs) Reportedly, supermassive games worked on a Silent Hill pitch that Konami rejected, causing them to rework that effort into the Dark Pictures Anthology. I would have rejected that pitch too, (laughs) to be honest with you, if that's what, what came out of it. However... After Konami was unable to find success with the in-house developed games Metal Gear Survive and Contra Rogue Corps, I don't know what that is, the publisher has softened on seeking external help. VGC sources say Castlevania and Metal Gear Solid are being shopped around to third-party studios, though it'll be some years before we see a result. Hmm. Okay. All right. 
We got, we got a lot of contenders in this. So here grade. are the players. <laughs> like I've, I, this is like a uh, like a murder mystery, but instead of a murder, it's Silent Hill, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a murder, <laughs> but fun. Um, so my take on this is it would be interesting to see Bloober make a game like that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be in the style that we're used to from them. And the CEO even had quotes about saying that he thinks that they want to take a more action approach direction for their future titles instead of making like walking sims like yeah. uh, Blair Witch and Layers of Fear were. Okay. And the medium has some aspects that are a little more like a little different than what we're used to from that studio. I haven't played it myself, but I hear it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I, However, I even if these projects are in development simultaneously, it doesn't mean they're going to come out at the same time. No, and it doesn't mean one cancels out the other, right? It could just be, again, Konami is saying, we want to make money off this IP down the road. Mm-hmm. So here's the big exciting one, the Japanese game. Mm-hmm. And then... Because Bloober's only put a year into this title, if it is, in fact, Silent Hill, that means at some point after we'll see that game come out. So it's like, oh, okay, we're getting a lot of like different different kind of approaches to this, which is not uncommon for Konami. Back mm-hmm. in the day, right around when Downpour came out, there was also the Vita game, Book of Memories, mm-hmm. and the HD collection, which was a fucking shit show. <laughs> but, like, you know, that was them saying, we want to have, we want to be like Capcom with Resident Evil and have, like, fucking three titles, like, floating at mm-hmm. once at all times, right? Constant rotation. So it, it makes sense if they're trying to, like, make sure their brands are always, like, in the fire at that point. Because they've been kind of quiet for a while. You know yes. what I'm saying? So. But, do you think either are likely at this point? So many false starts, dude. I mean, what was it? It was, like, last year or... Yeah, I think it was maybe towards, like, the, the beginning of 2020, or end of 2019, maybe, where, like, we had the rumor that, like, yes, these two simultaneous projects were being worked on, with with the rumor that maybe Kojima was working on one, or maybe this was happening, or maybe, like, it's, like, it's been so many kind of wild card factors uh, <laughs> yeah. over time. Now, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, you know, Bluebird did take over a Silent Hill project, especially with kind of their pedigree and what they've had to show for themselves lately, like Layers of Fear has, you know, quite a falling about it. Yeah. Blair Witch, I think that might have been a little bit more, like, kind of a dorm. Kind of a um, But like you said, the medium's been getting uh, great reception. The, the weird thing for me is that, like, a lot of these are, like, Xbox house games where it's, like, Silent Hill is usually, like, in the Sony pantheon. Sony domain. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, if it does go that way, are we looking at a Silent Hill that's just coming out, like, on Xbox, Games Pass, or, like, right. do we see a cross-plat situation? Um, well, a lot of these rumors center around Sony, yeah. like, kind of spearheading efforts and stuff, right? And, I mean, depending on which Japanese studio is working on this, that could be our answer, right? Yeah, true. If it comes out and it is, like, a Japan studio, then it's like, well, there you go. That's mm-hmm. going to be a fucking playstation one right Mm -hmm. and i think with the legacy of the franchise starting on playstation a lot of people will be like really xbox but it's not out of the realm of possibility Mm -hmm. but there's one thing bloober hasn't been absorbed by microsoft yet so our chances are still pretty good that they they could still make whatever the fuck they want right they just happen to have worked with uh microsoft in the past but blair witch eventually made it onto playstation Mm -hmm. so who's to say yeah who is to say i mean i'm i'm not against the idea of it I guess it would be interesting to see them stretch their legs, do something more than, like you said, just kind of a, a walking first-person horror game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we did talk about the idea that like maybe Silent Hill 2 and 1 and those earlier iterations maybe should have been treated more like that. As walking sims. Instead of having a kind of emphasis on bad combat. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> like, sure. if they went that way and they made a very like kind of introspective plotting silent hill take it wouldn't be bad and one of the most beloved takes on silent hill pt mm-hmm. does exactly that so. removes combat entirely from it so it's not impossible that bloober would be a good fit 
but it's weird that the CEO is going like, no, 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 I want shotguns in my games, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it could be where they come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, we're actually working on like Resident Evil, you know? Yeah. Capcom, famous publisher. That was actually like you know, my first kind of thought, like maybe they are working on some sort of like, you know, Resident Evil expansion Something. type game. It's just, I can't, I'm, I'm just thinking of like different horror franchises that aren't Silent Hill or RE and I'm just like, what would it be that makes sense that would get people super excited for them? It's not like Bloober's going to be like, here's Dead Space. Like, fuck off. You're not going to make yeah. Dead Space. Like, what is it? You know? So I'm just like, dude, we're, we don't have a lot of options here. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of like what other horror franchises there are. As far as big ones though, right? Because yeah. I feel like, like if you're going to talk about like, oh, Bloober's working amnesia i'm just like not really Mm -hmm. dude amnesia is like so tethered to the identity of that one studio forget the name of them Mm -hmm. uh where i'm just fractional games i think that i'm just like nah that that doesn't seem likely so like everything kind of points in this direction especially since all it takes for is for like what akira to be like you know what these guys uh they're pretty cool to work with why don't you give them a try the thing is like okay we've been working on the project for Hold on, hold on. We've been working for more than a year on another gaming project, another horror IP, and we're doing yep. this with a very famous gaming publisher. So, like, I'm not even thinking, like, small-time developers. Like, publisher. Like, yeah, Konami publisher. is a publisher these days. They don't fucking develop games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, if it was Capcom, I feel like they'd lead into, like, a very popular, like, horror developer. I mean, Capcom still... They, they, they publish. Have, they have a publishing firm. Yeah, no, for, for sure. sure. So it's like... <laughs> it's, it's like one of those yeah. things, like, it could be either road at this point. Yeah. I would personally, I think it would be cool if they did a Silent Hill, mm-hmm. right? Because I think the weird thing is that um, Silent Hill is interesting in that it has a very Japanese perspective, mm-hmm. of course, like it's intrinsically Japanese, and yet it always takes place in the in America, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's it's such an interesting thing where I'm just like, so do you need a Western lens to kind of like maybe like get the full rounded hole of what Silent Hill is eventually, and maybe that's what Konami is. They're just like, ah, oh, fucking outsource it to a Western dev and see what happens, right? It would be interesting to see, like, because there's such a lens of, like, Japanese horror and cerebral things that happen mm-hmm. in the Silent Hill games to where, like, are they going to tap into it in the same way? You know, maybe yeah. being lovers of the franchise and, you know, having maybe been influenced with some of the games they've done by silent hill and its legacy i mean i think they could maybe capture some of that essence for sure not to say that we haven't had western takes in the franchise both homecoming and downpour were Mm. western studios although i think both of them were european oddly enough okay that it it, like it it just didn't hit the same high Mm. as the first three games did so we'll see i don't know did we ever see resident evil kind of get pushed off to like an american yeah, it sucks. Okay. Yeah, we call it Operation Raccoon City. Oh, is that, that yeah, one? Yeah, that okay. shit sucks. <laughs> and I think there was one other that was Western. Although, one of the oddest things is that RE7 is written by, I think, an American mm-hmm. and then designed by Japan. Interesting. Which is interesting, yeah. Because the guy who wrote Spec Ops The Line wrote RE7. Mm. I always remember that. I'm just like, that's so fucking fascinating that you wrote that script. <laughs> now, what do you think about this kind of, like, rumored Japanese studio working on the other working on the other game? Which, what do you think that is? I've, who do you think that is? I've heard that it almost definitely isn't Kojima Productions. Okay. And Kojima's gone out of his way, and nobody seems to care when people dismiss rumors. <laughs> they only seem to care when you inflate them. Mm-hmm. But he's gone out of his way to say, like, no, I'm not working on an existing IP. He's like, I'm not touching Metal Gear, I'm not touching Silent Hills. Mm-hmm. So, and we reported that, the save room reported that, like, last year mm-hmm. that he said that. But, um, of course, in the industry, people like to lie in order to uh, <laughs> sure. keep their secrets, right? It's the it's a clunky way of getting there, but it gets the job done, right? Try lying once in a while, Daniel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But as far as who do I think could be working on it, I really do hope that it is a studio like Studio Japan. 
Okay. Um, you know, because they worked on Siren, they're closer to the vibe of that material. Mm-hmm. So I think they might have a better shot of getting what we like about classic Silent Hill more so than like you know throwing it to whoever, like even outside of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's like we're not gonna hear anything fucking crazy like Platinum Games is working on it no. or something like that. It, right? I mean, that would be cool, but no, we'll <laughs> never see that. Yeah. I mean, um, and then my ideal world, like you know, give Silent Hill to Capcom. But I feel like you would I, give that mainline game to them, if anything. That would piss off so many people, though. <laughs> that would piss off every Silent Hill fan if Capcom did a Silent Hill game, honestly. Yeah. And I would even, even I, the Capcom captain, would say that they're probably not a right fit despite, um, you know, basically pushing the survival horror genre into the forefront. Because they have such a campy, different vibe. Mm-hmm. Whereas, again, Silent Hill is much more psychological, much more metaphorical, uh-huh. and much more about, like, kind of human id, <laughs> basically, whereas Resident Evil is about shooting shooting at things that scare you in the dark. Mm-hmm. Like, very different vibes. Sure. I would want to give it to some, like, a studio that's a lot more thoughtful with the material, mm-hmm. honestly. Honestly, an indie studio. I don't think a big-ass studio should be making this. I think it should be a smaller studio that has a very, very kind of reined-in approach to Silent Hill and say that we're not going to try to give you the kitchen sink. There's not going to be a fucking progression system. Mm. There's not going to be all this bullshit modern gaming stuff. We're just going to go to the core meat and potatoes of this is unsettling. Mm -hmm. This is going to make you sad, depressed, even uncomfortable. And that's the right way to take the material. Uh, You know? It'd never happen. Yeah. Give it to From Software. <laughs> like I know it would be like such a stretch for them because it's like yeah it, I feel like it would have inevitably fallen to their trappings of like we got to make a Soulsborne but like I think their idea uh, of like I don't know. horror that kind of slowly creeps into your skin and is like kind of very contextual could work but like I feel like for them it would have to be a complete overhaul of like what they do mechanics wise I don't think yeah. okay <laughs> despite the fact that I absolutely love Bloodborne and I love their fantasy horror shit. I still don't think they might... I don't think they're the right fit, yeah. right? Unless you did give us a fucking Souls-like in Silent Hill, you, you have me really, really percolated at what that could look like. Like It would be batshit They crazy. did say radical departure. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would be a radical fucking departure, dude. Where it's just like, I got a crowbar and I need to do some fucking... Like, you see James Sunderland doing rolls. <laughs> at one point, you get fucking uh, Pyramid Head's axe or sword or whatever that oh, is. Oh, shit. Now you're selling me on yeah. it. Now I want it. You're right. You're absolutely right. From Software should do Silent Hill. <laughs> uh, but we spent too much time that's in this true. town. Let us move on, sir. I need to talk about something that excites me very much. We'll tr- well, I'll try to talk to you very quickly about sure. it, because we're long in the tooth already. Does it have anything to do with Blood Daggers? Blood Dagger! Yes, it does! Okay. The Mortal Kombat movie trailer released this week, oh, and I gotta tell you, I have propiasm. That's a constant boner. I don't think I said it right. Propiasm? Propri- hang on. It's like, <laughs> I can look up this word. I mean, it's always dangerous to try to use new words, but we shouldn't be afraid to look stupid. <laughs> no, no, we gotta expand our diction for sure. And I'm all about sleeping with the dictionary as much as the next guy, but you know, I've never used that one. I think it's priapism, priapism, Pri- or priapism, priapism. Well, a prolonged <laughs> erection of the penis, usually without sexual arousal. Priapism is an unwanted, persistent erection. <laughs> it may occur spontaneously or from certain antidepressants or erectile dysfunction drugs or from watching Sub-Zero make a blood dagger out of Scorpion's blood. 
which happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, fatality on me over here. (laughs) Amazing. Dude, it looks so good. It does. They... They got the tone right, man. They got the absolute tone right. We got fatalities. We got the brutal violence. We mm. got the outlandish fucking character, like, costumes and stuff. We get fucking Jax's arms getting just destroyed off of his body. Dude! That gave me literal chills. And I'm not making a pun. I was like, that's disgusting. Like, his horrified reaction to yeah. his arms becoming solid. I was like, oh! <laughs> like, who knew? I mean, I guess we all actually did know that all along... This franchise in movie form really just needed an R rating. Oh, know? we all knew all along. And <laughs> it, the thing is, it seems like they're leaning so into what the games do mm-hmm. and just not being afraid of the material. Mm-hmm. Like, I, they're not doing the Paul W. Sanderson approach, which is, I think video games are stupid, <laughs> so I'm going to try to movieify it as much as possible. This movie looks like it's going out of its way to not movieify Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. It's literally just like, what if these cool fucking fights were just filmed by real people? And then, like, that's it. That's what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's so kind of cool. practical with some of the um, the fight choreography and yeah. kind of grounding of it. You know? Very brutal, fucking. Oh my god! So we saw we saw fan favorite characters, Sonya Blade, looking fucking great in there. We got Liu Kang, we got Kung Lao. I think a CG Goro showed up because of course he's yep. gonna be CG. Looked <laughs> a little bad, but whatever, I'll forgive it. Um, we saw a statue of Shao Kahn. Oh, that's that's another subject. It doesn't seem like much of the movie takes place in Outworld, at least from the trailer, because mm-hmm. like they look like they're fighting in like Earth environments, uh-huh. you know, like warehouses and shit like that. And I'm like, that's fine, especially budgetary, like you know, considering budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really do hope we get to some like Outworld shit, right? The fucking weird purple sky and mm-hmm. portals everywhere and shit. I mean, Sub Zero did walk through a uh, fucking portal. Yeah, I feel like there could be like some last act climax stuff that happens in, in Outworld. That'd be I really like cool. That. I would like that. Cast looks pretty fucking stellar. Yes. Um, it's got the one guy from the raid that you really like, Joe Taslam, who is also on HBO Max's Warrior mm-hmm. and is fucking amazing on that show. I'm so happy he's Sub Zero. I'm very sad that it seems like he's playing Bihan, mm-hmm. who is the bad Sub Zero, the uh, older brother who ends up getting killed by Scorpion because he's basically a fucking villain. I think we always forget that like Scorpion is not the villain. He's not a bad guy, <laughs> which is crazy. He's a victim, dude. He had his whole family slain by the Lin Kuei, but in actuality it was Quan Chi pretending to be Bihan. <laughs> and then later when Scorpion comes back as a specter after murdering Bihan, he sees there's another Sub-Zero and tries to murder him and realizes it's actually Kwai Liang, who is the younger brother. <laughs> Are you following? I think you're getting a pre-peism or whatever it was called over just the, the <laughs> true notion of lore here. I really love Mortal Kombat you lore. Do. Uh, a lot of it's <laughs> sadly lost on me because oh. as much as I love the games and I actually, I the, the lore really didn't start to stick with me until like 9, 10, and 11's lineage started Which is hitting, perfect. Where they did the reboot and here's like our new lore arc. Yeah. Um, I definitely wasn't following the lore of like the original games or the well, original movies at all. It retcons a lot here yeah. and there and I'm, that's why I'm glad the new games kind of just said we'll okay. reference it but we're making it our own again. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy as fuck. And it comes out two days after my birthday. Yeah, you have this kind of benefit of always having like mortal Kombat stuff just coming showering yeah. in on your birthday always nice. <laughs> always in april for some reason i don't know why uh anything else like stand out from the trailer because i could go on for 15 fucking minutes but we should honestly move on yeah we should um i will call it this because um the director simon mcquade kind of just wanted to get in front of the fact that like some people are calling the fatalities kind of fan service and he had this quote where he was trying to say that like they actually service the fight scenes instead of being pure fan service 
Uh, he says, quote, the fatalities were always in from the get-go. There was never any question from anyone at all. <laughs> there was no resistance from the studio. They wanted them. I wanted them. There's a fatality from Kano. He ripped someone's heart out. But that was important to me. But what was important to me was that even when the fatalities arrive, we couldn't just do a fatality and have it mean nothing. It actually becomes an important ingredient in the rhythm of the action scene, which is cool. Like, they're trying to, like, you know, weave it in a way that feels meaningful and organic and isn't just be like, all right, cool, end of the fight, here's that fucking fatality, yeah. you know, it's it works it's going to serve us like how these characters interplay and i don't know yeah, i knew it that and that's actually a cool learning from the story modes of mk9 through 11 yeah which is there's permanence to the fatalities mm. where it's like if somebody dies in the story they're fucking dead yes <laughs> and so like the movie looks like it's doing exactly that where it's like oh no 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 they're gonna die <laughs> i i will kind of mention something that you yeah. mentioned that was kind of lost where the lead protagonist is just kind of like this new character cole who, young who you're not super jazzed on why, why is that I'm not super jazzed because it's like, it seems like we're just, that's our audience in as far as like, you know, watching and being like, how do we enter this world of Mortal Kombat? Mm -hmm. And it's like a guy who's like walking into it himself. And I'm just like, we could have just used Liu Kang. Sure. Like that, like he's, he's a perfect in, right? He's a normal earth realmer Mm -hmm. and he's a martial artist, but like he, just like the original movie, like he walks in and goes like, so what? People could throw ice out of their hands? Like you could just do that. I don't understand why we need this other character yeah. who's not in the games. So it's like, kind of confusing. You could have framed it from any other Earth realm or like, you know, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, whoever. I'm just saying there's like over a hundred characters in Mortal Kombat. You could have just picked any single, you could throw in a fucking dart at the select screen and been like, that's our protagonist. Yeah. Like what's wrong with you? It could have been Johnny Cage. Could've like been. it could have been really funny if it was Johnny Cage. Hire somebody who's affable, but fit, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And like, the, like he's throwing jokes, but still like bewildered by like, what the fuck? Ice, ice hand, skull mm-hmm. face. What's going on? That would have been cool. He doesn't even look like he's in the movie. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, we got some cool flashes of characters. We got some iconic lines. We got the get over here line, which, you know. Why are people mad about that line? I don't know. People he's, get mad about it. He said that. it's so good. I think he said it great. Yeah. I love it. Get over here. Oh, my God. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It. I love it, dude. I love it. So, let us dive into... Well, we have kind of like... I guess three sub news items that will kind of Tie into envelop topic. the topic. So, so I don't know ready. if we want to kind of like burn through like all of it at once or kind of divide it. I don't know. How do you want to do it? Let us let's let's just start with this way. The core the core thing we want to discuss is that are our expectations too high for these events? Okay. And I feel like some of the reactions we'll discuss as we go along mm-hmm. and just kind of you know just key it in. But yeah, and then maybe summarize it at the end. Yeah. There you go. See. Boom. We're working Nailed through it. it live. Anyway, so Nintendo Direct happened. It was the first Nintendo Direct of 2021. Uh, we've had a lot of little mini shit like we talked about earlier, but this is like the first like, hey, we're, we're, here's what our first half of the year looks like, basically, mm-hmm. and a little bit beyond, you know? Overall, I just want to say, like, before we dive into some stuff, it was okay. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I, uh, yeah. I would say as a whole, like, I am never going into a Nintendo Direct with, like, exceeding amounts of hype. I'm always kind of setting my expectations to be kind of like wowed here and there and have something cool announced. And also the expectation that maybe everything that is announced isn't for me. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because Nintendo does a lot of service to like their Japanese fans. And some of those games definitely get lost on me. And that's yeah. totally okay. Whereas like I think maybe when I sit down 
pop on my you know Nintendo Direct, get on my fucking Bowser slippers, and get ready for this this kind of fifty minute display. A lot of what I'm looking for is kind of like you know legacy titles and stuff like that. The next Zelda iteration, or how are they going to celebrate you know Mario, things like that. Um, and then a lot of it is just like just cool, neat surprises along the way. So I don't think I get nearly as invested in <clears throat> these as I do like a Sony state of play. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm uh, we're neither of us are as keyed into the Nintendo ecosystem as yeah. some other people. Right. And that's why like for us, it's always like, all right, I walk in thinking surprise me, but I'm not also going to get mad at you for like not showing something like Metroid prime four. Right. Mm-hmm. I I'm like, okay, whatever. Get to it when you get to it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think we also having spent years discussing game development and actually like reading these articles mm-hmm. and following a bunch of games, media people, we understand one core concept, which is games are hard to make. Mm-hmm. Games are done when they're done, you yeah. know? And like, yeah, there's a disparity between how a game is marketed versus the reality of a game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes they are able to like, you know, merge those ideas together. Sometimes they're able to give you hype moments like, yo, Fallout 4 is coming out like eight months from now kind mm-hmm. of shit. That's not always going to happen, right? But to continue to drag a developer going, like, where the fuck is Breath of the Wild 2? And, like, knowing in the back of my head, I'm like, well, if you're asking where it is, it means it's not done. Yeah. <laughs> I know? think we tend to slam dance on these companies for announcing stuff too early. Yeah. And honestly, in some cases, they shouldn't. But it's also, like, we're, they're trying to get people hyped for stuff down the line. Right? Yeah. I think we had probably, what, a year to two years of Sony even hyping up the same games over and over through, like, their E3 experiences to the point where they're like, hey, we have nothing to show, so we're not even going to be at E3. But mm-hmm. these games are coming. And I think some studios definitely shoot themselves in the foot doing things like that. You know, even with Blizzard, with, like, you know, Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2, which we'll get into. But I, a lot of it is to just kind of generate hype and get people buzzing. And at that point, it's just like, okay, bear in mind, yes, like you said, these things take a long time to kind of put together and format. And maybe there are roadblocks and kind of reconfigurations along the way that set the process back. And also, I don't know if anybody's realized we're still in the fucking middle of a pandemic. So, like, that's kind of slowed and, and fucked up a lot of people's production. Pipeline. Absolutely. So, you know, just bear in mind, like, stuff is up in the air for things like that, too. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I, I know there's a bunch of video games and bullshit, but I got I to gotta hammer it down. One argument that I've been hearing from people is that, well, look at what Microsoft and Sony did. They launched new consoles in the midst of a pandemic. You're telling me Nintendo can't show us where, like, Breath of the Wild? And I'm just like, hang on. If they launch new consoles, which, by the way, were planned to come out in 2020 for years, that means they spent and they spent all this effort and energy over the course of probably maybe even seven fucking years to land that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't we don't see the inner workings. It's not like it was a decision made in 2019 to be like, you know what? Time to do new consoles. Fuck no, dude. They're thinking about new consoles literally like a year after the last one's launched. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so like to hold them to that standard to like look at Nintendo and be like, well, look what they did. And it's like, yeah, they had that plan forever, mm-hmm. even before the pandemic. Sorry. And even then that took hits like there was such a fucking messy launch with the ps5 and like you know shortage of stock and stuff like that yeah people still can't get ps5s dude like (laughs) fucking uh our our boy fitz he just got uh an order in Mm. and he's been looking like every single week since launch and has not been able to do it also a side note on this one too because my mind is everywhere sure uh fuck scalpers oh did you see that article where they're like they're upset about they get a bad rap uh, publicly (laughs) yeah 
Your scalpers. They're like, we don't do anything uh, different that a grocery store wouldn't do. They buy from a farm and upsell it. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's like um, <laughs> that's like somebody walking up while uh, the grocer's trying to buy from the farm and just snatching it out of their hands and charging double the price. <laughs> that That's you. Yeah. That's you. That's not, no, you're not a part of this ecosystem. You are invading this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. That's, fuck you, scalpers. Anyway. <laughs> anyway so for nintendo kind of the key things that they did announce there's a new there's new smash characters from xeno blade chronicles 2 mm-hmm. none of that means anything to me i'm sorry if it's exciting for you awesome uh mario golf yeah super rush now that's exciting now oh, that yeah. that i can get on board with <laughs> okay i always like it. when they let mario just play sports i feel like that's where his real heart is maybe he got right. like locked into being a plumber because it was his dad's work mm-hmm. you know obviously the the mario brothers had a fucking family industry going on <laughs> fuck <laughs> Hiram Mario. <laughs> Hiram <laughs> was a plumber. Like in the 1920s. In the <laughs> 1920s Poland was a plumber. <laughs> you know. But his heart was always set on being uh, the Vesuvian man of sports. <laughs> I love it. Uh, another key thing. Let's just dive into it, dude. Fucking... We are getting The Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. Skyward Sword HD for the Switch. Hell yeah. I, yeah, that 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 is literally. I think the normal reaction. Either it's like, oh, okay, or oh, hell yeah, not motherfuckers, <laughs> right? Which is what I've been seeing online. Mm. People won't even let you say that you kind of like Skyward Sword. They will slam dance on I mean, your ass online. They Why? wouldn't even let you say that before. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I think it's cool that mm-hmm. this game is coming back, and they're adding um, button control, so mm-hmm. you don't have to like wave your wrists around while playing the game. Yeah. That's making it more accessible and more playable right you know that's been my number one wish for that game like mm. port it to the switch and make sure that i can play it literally on the switch without yeah. waggling the joy cons there's gonna be like more contextual stuff for like the sticks for you to kind of like aim and angle yeah. your your sword because like parrying and, and sword movement was very key in the combat in that game yeah it, it's it's not gonna be like super like just press a button and slash like it's mm. still you still need to like kind of maneuver which could be cool could mm. be interesting i i Maybe it could go south it, real quick. I feel like it's going to be a game that I will primarily play docked with my pro controller just to really get the full kind of movement out of my stick. You don't want to shield block with the Joy-Con? You no. don't want to swipe? You want to Actually, one? those special edition Joy-Cons with like the Hylian shield and sword look really cool. They're pretty hot. Yeah. They're pretty hot. They're probably going to be, what, 100 bucks for no reason? Probably. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I'm stoked for this because, what, this game came out... 10 years ago uh it'll be 10 years in november yeah 2011 right? and i mean i i enjoyed the hell out of it when it came out i thought it was a really unique world um the whole setting of skyloft getting to fucking skydive and ride skybirds and i like the dungeon layout and combat a lot um and it, it kind of being this whole genesis story of of hyrule was was really neat i mean it kind of kicks off the initial timeline of the the whole franchise and I know a lot of people's disappointment was like, okay, this is Zelda's 35 year anniversary. And I, I too had some hope that like, maybe they would do kind of a, a blowout, but you know, they, they didn't. A, I, a blowout in the sense that like, we got like what, Wind Waker yeah. and uh, Twilight Princess like, on the Switch. I, think I had this kind of like, you know, pie in the sky hope that we'd get them all on, on like a single cartridge like we did with the Mario collection. Oh, but damn. I think no. what realistically is going to happen is they'll release Skyward Sword in July and then maybe we'll get $60 ports of these other games as well. Like individual, yeah. like a la carte. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a Nintendo-ass thing to do. Mm. That's one thing about this company that we we have so much endearment towards or mm. 
generally people have so much endearment because it was a big part of their childhood. They've always been kind of vicious when it comes to business. Mm -hmm. They will charge you for everything. I know. Right? Like The only thing they don't charge for very much is a switch online because they know their (laughs) online sucks. Yeah. (laughs) It's the only time they've ever bowed. They're like, yep, yep, you're right. (laughs) Actually, if they did this, if they actually combined those two games together on one cartridge, I think that would be like good fan service yes like, hey we're gonna give you these you know wii u ports for 60 dollars together yeah especially since they already like released on the wii u yeah. way back when it just feels like yo come on guys yeah. like that effort's already pretty much done for you exactly just put them on one cart yeah i think they definitely had to do some retooling and reworking for this uh skyward remaster which is yeah. cool i'm i'm excited for it yeah. i think a lot of people were kind of pissed that like oh because this is happening and simultaneously, like, there was no Breath of the Wild 2 news other than the fact that it's, you know, coming soon still. People are like, oh, fuck Nintendo. They're working on Skyward Sword when they could be working on this. And it's like, they sure. probably had this plan simultaneously. It's not uncommon for Nintendo to have, like, two Zelda <laughs> games going at the same time. Yeah, I know? mean, like, what, last year we got the uh, the remake of... Um, Link's, uh, Link's Awakening. Thank you. Yeah. Link's <laughs> Awakening. That's pretty, pretty big. How quickly... The Nintendo fans forget what Nintendo do mm. and not what Nintendo don't. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And honestly, I'm not even peeved that we're not getting any Breath of the Wild 2 news until like what the end of the year. Because I feel like that game is far from being done, far from being ready for release. And Me too, I yeah. would prefer them just put it out in its top form and show us something when it's ready, you know? Breath of the Wild 1 took forever to come out and had so many delays and so many kind of missteps. Mm-hmm. And I imagine this is going to be kind of the same thing, but even more so now that there's like so much hype and expectation on it. Oh, right? way more expectation yeah. on this one. Watch. And then these same gamers are going to get so fucking burnt mm. when it turns out that Zelda is the actual protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want so that angry. so badly. Like, I just want so much more contextual, like, story and narrative kind of driving with zelda in the kind of driver's seat and you know building that world with her in it because that it's it's fucking her world as much as it is silent links so you know i don't see her name in the Uh, Uh time yeah i could wait i think what's going to happen is that they're just going to show us another trailer at the end of this year and then Mm kind of give us a soft date for next year Mm -hmm. that's about it yeah maybe like coming winter of 2022 (laughs) yeah like i could for sure see that happening and people will still be mad Mm. uh the other big thing that they announced was splatoon 3 is the thing that's happening looks kind of cool takes place in like a a post-apocalyptic paris or something (laughs) splatoon 3 modern warfare modern warfare i've never been um that into splatoon i think mm-hmm. i've played it for a few sessions i'm like this is cool this mm-hmm. is cute whatever you know yeah um i i know there's a fervent following for it so that's exciting for people and i yeah. think it's probably one of the we could say it's one of the kind of touch point uh titles for nintendo right now but mm-hmm. yeah, i'm okay there's a lot of like flyby cool shit um a lot of ports like stubs the zombie for some reason <laughs> is happening again um amazing soundtrack please listen to that soundtrack Tales from the Borderland is coming on the, onto I think the that's Switch. Cool. That is cool. That is yeah, cool. Wasn't expecting that at all. No, but you know, it's already ready made. <laughs> but whatever. that's kind of the thing with Nintendo Switch and these directs, where it's like they throw you like just unexpected, cool little news like that. <laughs> yeah, and those are, end up being the ones where I'm just like, oh, that's actually pretty yeah. <laughs> neat. Another big thing for people is that the uh, <laughs> Project Octopath Triangle Traveler. <laughs> 
strategy relationship. <laughs> what is it called? It's Hang called uh, Project Triangle Strategy. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, very much, very much uh, similar to the vibe of Octopath Traveler, mm-hmm. where it's this like 2.5D, mm-hmm. kind of a modernization of the old art style of like yeah. JRPGs of yesteryear. That kind of like gorgeous sprite animation. Yeah. Very like early like Yoshitaka mana art. Like Yeah. Although the game is coming out next year, they actually released a demo mm-hmm. on Switch, which people are very, very uh, into. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a very much a spiritual successor to Final Fantasy Tactics that yes. people have been wanting for a while. Yes. Right? Which is... Like, I'm into it. Like, I'm happy for people. Like, that's not my, my mm-hmm. bag, but I'm, I'm happy that people are very excited about that. So that's cool. Like, there were things that it was just like, yo, that's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people just... Again, they just put their emphasis on like one or two things that aren't there. Mm-hmm. Like they're focusing on the negative space way more than like what Nintendo is trying to show you. Yeah. Right? Like, where's Metroid Prime 4? And it's just like, you know how <laughs> they openly admitted during one of these directs that they had completely restarted development? Mm-hmm. You remember when they said that? And you know how development takes like five fucking years? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that game's not coming out for yeah. a very long time. And they will not announce a thing until they're ready for it. Because honestly, I think Nintendo does this thing smarter than most studios, where they do not release a game until it is fucking ready. There's (laughs) no like, hey, we're going to work on this game like after launch because it's buggy or, you know, missing features. It's like, no, they, they pride themselves on releasing feature complete games. Yeah. And I think that's great, you know. You mean that that seal of quality on every package means something to yeah. them, which I I do appreciate. That's why they also charge you sixty dollars for everything. Sure, but uh, yeah. Any any other uh, key takeaways from the Nintendo thing? I mean, like I I saw some cool stuff here and there, but for the most part, I I think I legitimately want to get Mario Golf. I definitely want Skyward mm-hmm. Sword. I'm not gonna play Smash. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not a big Smasher. I know there was kind of some um, <clears throat> people upset that like we didn't get like any Western representation with that announcement, but honestly, like Xenoblade Chronicles is huge, <laughs> so I'm not surprised, especially with how many like spirit characters and you know tracks and levels are in the game from that already. Yeah, I'm looking through the kind of quick list here real quick, and I think like for me, like yeah, Skyward Sword, uh, Project Menage a Trois, uh, Mario <laughs> Golf, uh, Star Wars Hunters seems like a thing that. I will look at with intrigue, but like it's not going to be for me, um, which sure. is it's kind of like an online uh, Star Wars game set between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. I don't want that. Uh, I want Jedi power battles. I know what you want, buddy. I want it. I think it's interesting. Quite gone. I mean, this is inevitable, but Fall Guys is coming to the Switch, which is like cool. No brainer. Remember it. the 10 minutes we played that game? Yeah. Nice. It was fun, I it was, guess. It was I fun. don't know. Not for me. There are games out there right now that like I will play with a mild amount of intrigue that, you know, are not for me. Look at Fortnite. Fortnite has this dearth of characters that they keep injecting. They just put like Street Fighter characters in it. But I will still never touch it, you know? God, that makes me want to play it. The Ninja Gaiden collection's cool. Um <laughs> Sure. Outer Wilds. Yeah. Th- there's like a ton of stuff on here. I think the Legend of Mana remaster is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're doing that. And they're doing Saga Frontier as well, which is another... There's a lot of JRPG representation yeah. for Nintendo. And I think that's always been, like, a cool... Like, I've always said the Switch is probably, like, the Vita actualized, yes. right? <laughs> you know? it's it's It both has those niche JRPGs that have a, you know, pretty big following. Mm-hmm. And in addition to those benchmark marquee titles, right, yeah. that people want. So it's like, yeah, 
perfect ecocosm. And then we had talked about this, I think, back in September, but Hades Physical Edition is coming out uh, March 19th. It's That's coming cool. with a soundtrack, 32-page full-color character compendium. And a PC download code. So that's that's pretty neat. But. I need that shit to come out for PS4 so bad, oh, dude. Give it to me. Fuck, dude. The fuck. I would play it probably way more. Yeah. I just, I don't like playing things on my Switch that much. I just don't. Yeah, I'm kind of there. I just don't. I, I think like that in, in my head, there are a lot of games that I'm just like, oh, I really want to play on the Switch. And then I do, mm. and I get into it, and I'm just like, hmm, okay, I have a level of commitment, but I would be far <laughs> more committed if I could play this upright with trophies. <laughs> Although, I think Hades lends itself really well to the format of the switch yeah honestly yeah i agree with that like getting to just kind of like lay down and just do like run after run you know and just kind of get better at it and then there's the variable play of like okay cool i'm gonna play with my pro controller yeah it's, and, it's super pick up and play yeah i like that yeah. a lot so that's fair that's fair shall we move on to the next yeah. big gaming event blizzcon line blizzcon line 2021 we've got jeff and overwatch 2 <laughs> And other stuff. And Diablo 2 Resurrection, Diablo Immortal, Diablo 4. Let me start with that real quick. <laughs> I, I'm actually pretty excited Diablo 2 Resurrection's happening. It's mm-hmm. coming out for Switch and all consoles, which mm-hmm. is cool, and PC, because apparently that's part of Blizzard's lineage, I guess. Uh, I have never played Diablo 2. That is my blind spot in gaming where mm-hmm. people go like, oh, Diablo! <laughs> you know, they go crazy about Diablo 2. I'm happy that I get to play it, and I get to play it where it doesn't look like shit. So, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I actually really like that kind of new textured art design for it. Yeah. Kind of up it. It looks really cool. Um, my legacy with Diablo 2 is I, I played a shit ton of Diablo 1 on PC, and then I got Diablo 2 in like 20... Sorry, in 2001, because it came out in 2000, fucking on the dot. And I really enjoyed it. I like the expansion of characters and kind of going away from like new Tristram into like all these new areas and... It was awesome, yeah. um, and I'm excited to get to kind of like fully experience it again. My worry <gasps> is that I'm going to get Diablo fatigue, maybe going from like Resurrection to four whenever that comes out. You know, <laughs> 2023 probably. Yeah. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Could be. Could be. I don't know. Because um... like for me, like the novelty of like not having played a Diablo game in like fucking 10 or so years and then three came to PS3 and I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I'm playing Diablo again. This is awesome. Hmm. But I never felt compelled after like I beat that game to pick it up again on like PS4 with like the Reaper of Souls edition. Oh, see, I ended up playing on, on PS4 like a bunch yeah. as well, but probably not as hard as I went when the PS3 edition came out for sure. But there was a lot of quality of life shit that was really cool about mm. it. I, I think it's one of those like, we'll see. I think Diablo four especially is going to feel so differently mm-hmm. in a lot of ways looks the same but it it's an open world game mm-hmm. diablo 4 is open world and they're changing the way how like story works as well instead of having like dialogue bubbles on the screen mm-hmm. you actually zoom into the characters and you could see their expressions and they're even letting you customize your character to the extent of having like tattoos and different costumes because you're literally not always going to be zoomed out 100 feet from them okay. which is cool yeah I, that's I'm, awesome i'm just like yo that's like a true advancement of that world and then they're doing a thing that I think is interesting where there will be kind of a, uh, how do you say, like a Destiny style, like MMO-ness to it, but not like full MMO. Like kind of a shared world aspect. Yeah, yeah, share, shared world aspect, but only after you beat the game. So as to not like interrupt, you know, your story path. That's a it. neat idea. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> neat because it's like, obviously I'm going to play it like way more after I beat it. Give me a new experience after I beat it. That's mm-hmm. a really clever mm-hmm. idea. Uh, Diablo 4, I'm actually getting, I'm really kind of boned up on now. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you know what? Yeah. 
yeah, I'm more excited about this than I thought I could be for it. Yeah, they did a showcase for what? Like it was a new Barbarian class character? Rogue. Oh, Rogue. It was a Rogue class. New Rogue class character. And that was fucking awesome to see. Yeah. Like her move suite and everything that was going on. And like the combat just seems like, I don't know, like really great. Like it still has that same like, you know, isometric kind of like, you know, dungeon crawler, kill as you go, like. Yeah, yeah. It's all still Diablo, um, right? You know? But I do like that they, they've they've kind of toned it back down to Diablo 2's more gritty gothic look uh, instead of just being... It was kind of cartoony in Diablo 3, mm-hmm. to be honest. And now that I'm able to, like, compare both, I'm just like, oh, I see what people were complaining yeah. about. Because, like, Diablo 3 was my first Diablo. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, this game's cool, whatever. Is this how it usually is? And people are like, no. Nope. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh. Yeah, the art style used to be, like, very, like, gritty and, like, right. grim dark. Yeah, bring it back to that Zack Schneider shit, dude. In fact, don't even give me widescreen. Give me a fucking square. <laughs> oh my God. Give me a this, square. This has been grinding his fucking gears all fucking week. I'm sorry, is this man so stupid <laughs> That he thinks he can get away with this in 2021. Are you serious with this man? <laughs> I will find Listen, Zack Schneider. We live in a society where just Zack Schneider does whatever he wants. And I will scream Martha at him. Oh, wow. I didn't want to do an actual threat. We threaten too many people on this podcast. Yeah. One day somebody might actually listen. Remember when you threatened Pete Hines? Yeah. That was like forever ago. Oh, I'm going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> DCD, motherfucker. <laughs> um, but yeah, let, tell me about, let's let's dive into the main shit, dude. Let's talk about our expertise. Our expertise. Overwatch, son. Okay. Yeah, because there was like a few other things that were kind of, you know, announced throughout the course of the the BlizzCon line. A lot of know? Warcraft stuff I did not care yeah, about. Yeah, there was some Warcraft stuff. There was some Heroes of the Storm stuff, some Earthstone stuff, a Blizzard Arcade collection. Like, all really, really cool stuff that like just kind of isn't for us. It's not for us, sorry. You know, World of Warcraft expansions. It's like all really cool stuff. Yeah, Burning that, Crusade Classic. I'm just like, I like, don't know what that combination <laughs> of words means, but I'm people are excited, so whatever. Yeah, and I mean, it's awesome. It's great that all this stuff is here and it's serving kind of the fandom. But the kind of like big thing for me and you is the Overwatch 2 yeah. deep dive that oh, was yeah. kind of like 30 plus minutes and it kind of dissected a lot of like what the game is going to be in terms of a sequel, its character redesigns, level redesigns, the PvE story elements versus PvP. Um, there, There's a lot. I kind of, I wrote a bit for it and we'll just kind of, I'll rail through it as quickly as I can. Um, but we got the Overwatch 2 deep dive here um first thing that i outlined was new maps so with an expanded sense of globe trotting overwatch 2's maps will take players to new areas like new york city rome and toronto uh the team took special care (laughs) to make the architecture and locales look deep and realistic to ultimately have players destroy them uh the art team is also redesigning beloved maps like king's row let me stop you huh destructible environments yes really yeah in Overwatch, yeah, too? Yeah, in, in the story mode, there's going to be, like, kind of destructible. And oh, so that's like, so I won't be online and, like, knocking down buildings, huh? No, no, no. Damn. Yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I, I meant it in a kind of, like, funny way, because, like, when you're in, like, spawn rooms and stuff, you could destroy tables and things like Oh, that. okay, okay. But, okay, yeah, okay, in, okay. in the story, there's You got me be... super excited, and I was just like, what? <laughs> but in the main story... Could you imagine story... Reinhardt crashing through a wall? <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be sick as fuck, But dude. Th- oh. they'll have, like, kind of main story beats that will reflect that. Okay. Um, the art team is also redesigning beloved maps like King's Road, I feel expanded and new. Uh, Anubis will have environmental weather effects like sandstorms, and a lot of levels are going to have, like, new day-night cycles. And that's only for story mode as well? Or are they going to do it online? Oh, that's for, like, the main multiplayer maps for PvP, PvE, everything. So they're trying to, like, really, like, expand how those 
kind of season maps so cool dude yeah i was looking at some of the stuff they were doing for like numbani and like just the kind of like sun effects that were going on i'm like this feels like a dynamic world now Uh, yeah i wonder how they'll (laughs) play with that because you know some people like in comp will get pissed off about um like weather effects happening mid-match and shit they'll probably want it turned off yeah i always think about fighting games where it's like the most famous arenas are like the fucking training rooms because they're the least distracting yeah thinking about like uh the smash scene and how people typically play stuff on uh like final destination with no items no nothing nothing. no distractions right um yeah the sandstorm element of anubis looks really interesting and i think that would fuck people up in in exactly yeah people (laughs) get so mad where it's like no the fucking storm made me lose dude um one of the big things on here is going to be role updates and new passives uh which were detailed by the lead designer jeff goodman uh each class will have passive abilities so like your three tiers tank support offense um the tanks are going to have a kind of static knockback reduction and reduce ultimate charge for players attacking them Mm -hmm. so like say you're playing as reinhardt somebody shoots you their ult charges in less time than it normally would that's cool offensive characters will have movement speed bonus and support characters will gradually heal over time um a big rework for the tanks is that they're going to be retooled to be more like toe-to-toe brawlers. Hmm. Um, so, cause like players tend to play those bigger characters more aggressively anyway. Um, and they want that to kind of be like people's power fantasy. Now, uh, Reinhardt, for example, is getting two fire strikes. Charges will be able to be canceled and he will be easier to steer. That was one of the main things they detailed. There was actually like kind of a set of like eight characters that they rotated around, which leads me to believe that maybe some of the other characters are not ready to talk about in full. Oh, probably not, yeah. (laughs) So, but it's cool to see, like, kind of where they're going with him and some of the other ones. To match the ever-evolving feel of shooters, Overwatch 2 is going to implement combat upgrades in the form of audio retooling for weapon sounds and combat. Um, The one thing we always talk about with Overwatch is how great the audio design is anyway. They had this kind of weapon 2.0 sound pass where guns are going to sound and feel more amplified and visceral. Um, They're working on, like, kind of, it's called Convolution Reverb, which is going to play with, like, sound acoustic and, like, kind of either smaller areas or, like, bigger areas. So if you're shooting in a tunnel, you're going to hear, like, kind of bullets sound off and ricochet in different ways than they would if you were, like, in an open arena. And they're playing with the idea of camera field of view, being more reactive to shots and being shot at. There was a big deep dive on a new character, Sojourn, who is, like, an offensive railgun character, um, who is, I think, going to be, like, a main character in the campaign. Cool. Yeah. And the first African-American, like, woman of color character, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, People were really, really rooting for that. Actually, I should walk that back because that's not correct. There are other uh, female characters who are of color in that game, like, you know, Farah, Anna, Sombra. But this is kind of the first, like, black character that's got representation. So, per Papa Jeff, Overwatch 2 will be the next evolution and replacement of the first game, toting it as a successor. and true sequel, we want it to be a part of your lives, he said. (laughs) (laughs) You're already a part of my life, Jeff. (laughs) With that comes new PvE game modes and an emphasis on story. Um, The zero-hour short showed heroes reuniting after the disbandment of Overwatch and a new Omnic threat with a known character behind it that will drive the main story. Uh, The story is going to take place all over the world, much like the game already kind of does. Cinematics and gameplay will be immersive and seamless. Now, I don't think they mean it in the way that, like, Naughty Dog games are, where it's like, Mm. you know, you peel out of, like, a cinematic and it feels, like, very, like, kind of in the moment. It just, it's probably going to be seamless in that kind of Overwatchy way. They're introducing hero missions, which are co-op PvE modes that will have mission objectives to level characters. 
Things like defending an uplink, gathering and returning canisters uh, while enemies attack you. Uh, and they mentioned kind of other modes like Wall of Death and Scavenger Hunt. What? But they're looking at exploring like hundreds of these hero missions. So that that's kind of neat to think that they're really just playing with so many different ideas. And I think that that's cool. Like, how do you keep Overwatch fresh? How do you keep us keep returning to it? And this is going to be, you know, one of those ways. There's also a new PvP map type called Push. Uh, you push a robot. Um, there is a new progression and talent system, which I think is going to be probably one of the bigger kind of spice-ups for this this game, where each character is now going to have three skill trees and unique talents to kind of allow you to customize them your own way, which is mainly for PvE, and I think it's going to be for story. I don't know how much any of that's going to translate into, like, multiplayer online play mm, mm. um it would be interesting if it did but maybe that might create like a weird imbalance of play so we'll, we'll see how they balance that for the the comp mode um but some of the things they showcase is like you know soldier 76 has a healing tree um that includes like a biotic field that can move with him there's mm. a tree that brings back uh, mercy's like mega res aoe thing just bring that back yeah. like for everything <laughs> yeah the fuck give it to every character because every character every uh, character has that now <laughs> uh, Junkrat is going to be made twice as annoying with dual grenade launchers. So it, it's very cool. Um, I'm excited at the idea of my D.Va playing different from Chelsea's or like, you know, your Farah playing different from mine and just kind of seeing how everybody just does it differently. Yeah, uh, that's, that's neat. This is like one of those moves where, I mean, think about how PvE was introduced to the original game. It yeah. was always like through kind of like a seasonal event and it always felt like, Overwatch's main bread and butter is always the competitive multiplayer. Yeah. And then here's add-ons. It seems like with Overwatch 2, they're like, no, here are two completely like fleshed out modes mm -hmm. and there's going to be crossover between them. Yeah. Like they're giving you reasons to want to play this. Yeah. I'm reading this and going like, you're giving me like a Borderlands style like skill tree for my <laughs> yeah. characters. Yeah, I'll play across hundreds of missions, not just like the same, like, mm -hmm. you're going to go to New Bonnie and shoot like 15 robots and then you're done with the mission. Yep. No, like they're giving me shit to do in this game. Yes. It sounds really across cool. Across every mode, whereas like I felt like, I love the original Overwatch. I think it's probably like one of my top like three games of all time at this point, just for how often I play it. Yeah. But the modes are for me, quick play and comp. I'm literally doing the same thing across yeah, all of them. Always. I'm not really big into arcade. Um, and there was some cool variants of play and, and mode types in there, but never any that I had investment in. But if you're going to give me skill trees and different stuff like that, now I'm invested in ways that I wasn't before. Yeah. And that's, that's really fucking cool to lean into the PVE thing. They're also redesigning the combat for that. They said that focus in 2020 was making the enemy null sector units, which are like those kind of purple Omnic robots, uh, more engaging and in the form of new enemy objective units and elite units. They're implementing damage states for enemies that will indicate like to the player when an enemy evolves or when their armor is taking degradation. They kind of showcase like you shooting off a robot's arms or showing it taking like kind of cool damage. It reminded me of like doom how like mm -hmm. you can see characters fall apart as you attack them yeah and that was pretty cool and they're doing chain hit reaction which is like if you have kind of a think of like a, a set of bowling pins if like there's one enemy in front that you shoot and it falls back it'll kind of react and hit all the other characters behind them which is awesome um and then kind of the last thing on here is they're doing a bunch of like character look overhauls and giving them like new technical gear and look where is my dick and balls <laughs> for McCree. I want to see his dick. I want to see his dick and I want to see his balls. He could be wearing clothes, but I need to see his dick and balls. He used to be wearing that Banff belt and a hat. 
and that's it. That was the best. Well, I don't know who tweeted that at Blizzard, but it was the funniest shit in the whole world. Like, I just need a skin where I can see his full dick and balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I actually like some of the new updated looks. Um, going back to, you know, tempering expectations. People are already, like, super critical about these mm-hmm. changes. Going like, oh, why did you make any changes? And it's like, because it's a fucking sequel, dude. Yeah. Like, you'd be pissed off if they just ported over the same skins. It's like, you can't win with people for some reason. Well, I mean, there is that idea that all your stuff is going to carry over. Like, all of your original progression from the first game, skins, sprays, all that. But, like, they have to do something different for this. It is a fucking sequel. Yeah, it's a fucking sequel. So, they were like, you know what? In order to make you feel like it's a sequel, we're giving McCree a longer beard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some of these things are just, like, they're not even that that substantial changes. They're just, like, very nuanced updates. And people are still just like, blah, blah, blah as if there aren't going to be 15 million skins to begin with in that game like dudes (laughs) people just like want to call shit out to call shit out Mm -hmm. just because it's like well what else are you gonna do they can't play it (laughs) right now yeah might as well just complain about it (laughs) fuck i think they're a lot i I think overall they're doing a lot of cool things so Mm -hmm. um yeah and i think from blizzard like this is probably one of the cooler deep dives I've seen for one of their kind of upcoming titles. Yeah, but like, I, I like that they're able to give us these behind the scenes thing. I will say one thing that I don't think they should do going forward, and this is actually a criticism toward a lot of Microsoft as well, because they did this shit. Stop showing us your fucking Zoom calls. Stop acting like they're naturalistic Zoom calls between each other and you're just all being chummy. Yeah. It's obviously scripted or manufactured or heavily edited. Uh-huh. It's boring and it makes me feel just weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's totally fine to have it's like, here's some voiceover discussing key parts of the game or mm-hmm. what they did, where it's like, hey, we just shot interviews with people talking about their expertise, mm-hmm. either creative lead or whatever. But when you have like a Zoom call with Jeff Kaplan, like, gahoffing about their game and, and somebody saying, oh, we might see some new skins, and then like somebody reacting, going, ooh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so stupid. Stop that shit. That. Like, where you're not tricking us, dude, and you're not like hyping us up even more. We're not idiots. A human being is trained to figure out when something's not real like our brain looks (laughs) for patterns that are just not real like that's a weird scripted thing yeah it's like dude it it just comes off as just a little embarrassing (laughs) like don't do it (laughs) right i totally understand what this is a deep dive about overwatch you don't have to have these end cappers and interjections it's just so lame i'm sorry like microsoft was bad about that too where it's just like well i'm i'm in my zoom office and (laughs) oh look master chief is on a beach with me with my background (laughs) like stop it (laughs) I don't care. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Just go into it, man. Yeah, but um, I, I'm I'm excited because like Overwatch two for the longest time in my head was. They could easily just give us new maps and a couple new characters and call it part two. Mm. And this is them actually saying, no, we're not doing that. We are, but mm. that's not the full story. Yeah, there's the, way more going on and way more at play than just that. Right. The full story is we're actually reacting to your criticisms of the first one, which is mm. like, well, we had all this really cool lore that wasn't in the fucking game. Yeah. We had these shorts yeah. that were kind of cool in a snapshot, but how do we expand that? How we how do we make it playable? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like how do we how do we integrate this narrative and this causation and everything about this omnic war and and the different uh motivations into the story? And a lot of it is like going to be through PvE and yeah. stuff, which is like that's cool. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see like us face off against certain characters as like enemies where it's like you know reaper and uh widowmaker and these characters that are part of talon like just facing off against them versus like the weird headcanon situations where i'm like hey we're gonna make 6v6 versus good guys versus bad guys yeah or like the sort of light pve stuff that they kind of did before yeah i'm excited for it um i don't 
think this game's coming out anytime soon. No. Like, probably, like, 2023, <laughs> 2022, maybe, if, if we're lucky. I don't mind them waiting and, and taking their time with it and making it the best thing that it can be, especially because I'm tired of multiplayer games getting released ahead of time and being fixed at fucking launch. But granted, I know how this game will go. It will change over time. It will change off of, you know, PTR. Uh, it'll change off of the PC scene. So it'll go through different permutations. But I hope, like, when the, the main story launches, that's feature complete. Like, I hope that's all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And although, like, you know, they, they have a tendency to iterate over time. I mean, Overwatch 2016 is nothing like Overwatch 2021. No, Like, not it's at all. so completely <laughs> different. And I'm wondering, like, how much of that is going to be a, a thing for Overwatch 2 going yeah. forward, right? Like, how, how, like, we talk about these cool features and all these things they're playing with. And one thing that stuck out is, like, even with the passives, mm-hmm. like, like they were talking about, they are like, we're unsure how dedicated <laughs> we are to this feature. Yeah. And it's just like, hmm. And... I, I love the transparency behind the experimentation behind it. Mm-hmm. I really do. It's just like they're being openly honest about like, we're just trying to find the fun yeah. in real time because we don't believe that this game should be like stop the moment that it launches. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it needs to continue to evolve. And I like that, right? Um, I just wish, I just wish that we don't have like a complete transformation over time, kind of mm. like we saw with Overwatch 1. Because it is annoying to to have been there day one <laughs> yeah. and remember, like, some things were better and we're never going back to it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really frustrating for me, right? Like, we just talked about Mercy's res mm-hmm. being gone. And it's just like, dude, I want that back. I hate remembering a better Overwatch in some ways. Yeah, in you a know? lot of ways, actually. And then a worse Overwatch at, at the same time. So it's, 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 it's a weird thing. I think yeah. they need to find... My suggestion to that team is they, while I love the experimentation, mm-hmm. I think they need to set guidelines for themselves and, and learn like, hey, we should make subtle changes. Let's not change the whole fucking makeup of this game on the fly. And also like not always change it on the whims of just because it's like what the pro scene is reacting to. Like right. sometimes let it exist as it is because it's like you have this game existing in a lot of different ecosystems and spheres you have your casual players your console players your casual pc players Mm. your pro players like so it's like it it, and you're trying to like kind of fit this like blanket across everyone with it Mm -hmm. Um, and i don't think it should always be reflective of like what the pro scene wants you know and i get that's what what drives a lot of the hype of it but overwatch is like it's a very mainstream game that everybody plays at this point right so (laughs) So. to the design for like one to two percent of your audience doesn't make sense for the rest yeah. right for maybe sure. you have a pro build you know yeah you know mmos have that problem every time they launch an expansion what's the first thing they say you have to be level 60 to even touch this and it's yeah. like so you're just designing content for people that have already like thrown in a bunch of time into the game rather than saying that this is going to be welcoming to more audiences yeah on the off off you know off foot so mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 a few things i yeah. gotta say like i get it i get it i do and it's hard because i'm sure the pro scene is the loudest oh yeah i'm sure they're the ones that are the most reactive to any little change they'll they will see if you put a statue four feet to the left in anubis <laughs> they will tell you they will write a forum post on reddit <laughs> fucking lambasting jeff kaplan for his idiocy for moving a statue i get it but sometimes you got to say to yourself there's good feedback and then there's bitching yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's like yeah just find that balance like i get they want to appease everybody and listen to every last thing but also you can have your own vision and let it be its thing yeah dude that's so. there's a lot of that right so but i'm hopeful i'm hopeful uh, for this because it seems like they're doing a lot of cool things mm-hmm. a lot of quality of life and it doesn't seem like they're fucking up with 
like what matters, which mm. is the foundation of Overwatch, yeah. right? What makes it gel? I think they're just really trying to build a superior experience and a, a great sequel that is, yeah. you know, not just supplemental. It is its own thing. I think there are some like fundamental things that probably do need to change. Um, probably the loot system, which, you know, you got to make it a little better, you know, make your drops more rewarding stop giving me fucking sprays that i don't care about if you're gonna have something like a holiday event only give me holiday loot boxes you know like stuff that like just kind of needs to be fixed because it's just like okay well the loot box system it's there now i'm not as excited for it as i used to be it's super antiquated yeah in fact i wouldn't be mad if they got rid of loot boxes and found a a new way to give skins mm -hmm, a new way to give skins or unlocks or rewards that just wasn't tethered to that idea and maybe or be more willing to give us that kind of stuff through your um uh single player progression stuff you know like like if i'm doing pve it's like i have just as much of a chance to get that cool mercy skin as i do playing comp or something like that yeah Yeah. i wouldn't be mad if they still implemented it in smaller ways but i also (laughs) like the idea of like you know like other games do like I will get a drop if I complete a challenge or, you know, if we're doing a PVE thing, you know, maybe an enemy drops like a purple item or something like that. I would totally retool their system, but I would mm -hmm. be into it. I would also say (laughs) you would make me a lot happier as a player if you only gave me unlocks for the character that I'm using. Yeah. And not just a bunch of bullshit for like, like, I'm not going to play as Symmetra, so why do you keep on giving me skins for her? Mm -hmm. Like, no, no. you should honestly, like, doesn't that make sense? It's like, I play this character a lot. Reward me for playing this character a lot. Don't give me just a random bullshit for your characters I've never touched. I mean, for me, it has this weird, like, psychological effect where if I get a skin for a character that I never use and oh, it's a cool it. one, I might be, like, don't inclined to want to get good with them. Fuck! I'm not the only See, one. that's the reason why they do it, and I fucking hate that shit. <laughs> I'm not the only one, though. Nick's like that, too. We want to encourage people to play as this one character. I don't give a fuck about yeah. Junkrat. I hate Junkrat. <laughs> Throw him out of the game. Just don't give me any fucking skins for him. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> but i think all in all like that was a a very good showcase same with the diablo 4 and diablo yeah. 2 resurrection one like, i think they did a good job yeah. i i think um mm-hmm. one maybe one little like problem with it is that we didn't really get a lot of promises and i think that's like it's understand for me it's understandable it's mm-hmm. like they don't know when this game's gonna come yeah. out and they're afraid of putting like a hard date only to like you know be dragged by gamers when they have to delay Mm -hmm. which they probably will have to delay Mm -hmm. right so i think at this point it's kind of like done done when it's done is a good mentality for them Mm -hmm. um but i would still love it's like if you're gonna be this transparent about the game at least be be transparent about like hey we think like tail end of 2022 is the right date for this but Mm -hmm. we're not sure I would love for a developer to actually say that out loud. Yeah. Right? Be like, we're not sure. Like, we honestly, okay. we have a lot of work <laughs> to do ahead of us, man. And we don't want to disappoint you by saying it comes out in October. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I would like that. Because, like, for me, it's like, oh, you showed a really cool thing. So, when 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 can we expect this? And they're like, ah, ah, see you next year. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't even, like, wager to announce a date. Nah, which... dude. Nothing. It's fine. Denada. Like, even Diablo 2, they're like, return to hell in 2021. Yeah. And I'm like, well, 2022 is already hell. <laughs> but, oh, oh, you mean the game. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. I I got to think, though, like, that this is probably more impressive for, for people than that one BlizzCon where Immortal was showing off. And the guy's like, is this an April Fool's joke? Um, which, you know, is, is now playing into the, the kind of, like, theme or kind of, like, then talk topic that we had about expectations. Um, where it's it's a lot of fans kind of hyping stuff up that like maybe was rumored or not even formally announced and it's like when it doesn't get announced then you're upset by it and it's just like 
you built up these scenarios in your head that weren't even real. And I get like wanting to have hype for things. That's totally cool. Like I'm super hyped for, for Overwatch 2, right? But if it was one of those things where it was rumored and, you know, it didn't get announced at like a fucking, you know, uh, BlizzCon, I wouldn't be pissed about it because I'm like, well, they never officially said anything. So, you know, and maybe this is my headcanon that I always wanted a sequel. Yeah. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. There's... <laughs> There, this is one of those things where it's like it's not just like oh you know fans need to adjust their expectations entirely it's all on them it's a more of a back and forth right because yeah. like what have what have big publishers done to temper those expectations mm-hmm. and the answer is nothing because a studio is completely okay with you pre-ordering a game fucking four years before it comes out sure in fact they want that in mm-hmm. fact that's why they showed you a trailer for it <laughs> in fact they want to show their investors look at all the interest look at these pre-orders here's a metric that we can show you that you should continue fucking giving us money yeah. you know and that's part of the problem mm-hmm. right so it's like we've had these events where these fucking i've heard the phrase before the year of dreams right where all these like big announcements happened where we're almost like being trained to expect it and when it doesn't happen because realistically we're living in a pandemic and nobody knows what the fuck is going on and <laughs> things get delayed and things are harder to make that we're still treating it with that whole air of like well how come you guys didn't fucking, like, land this? Like, with Nintendo. Like, how come you didn't show me Breath of the Wild 2? Yeah. And how come you didn't show me Metroid 4? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's and it's tough because it's, like, it's that back and forth, right? Because yeah. it's like, well, on the one side, maybe you shouldn't expect that to happen every single time. And uh-huh. on the other, other side, maybe these developers haven't shouldn't have, like, you know, bent over backwards to kind of meet that demand for as long as they did, right? Mm-hmm. And now that they're starting to dial back because they are forced to because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. they're getting slapped around where it's like, where's our year of dreams? And it's like, doggy dog, <sighs> we don't live in the year of dreams anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think it's um, it's a two-way street there, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it I, I agree. At least... We can temper our own expectations and understand, I'm going to walk into an event and, you know, they may not, for Kevin, for instance, Mm -hmm. they may not, at the next state of play, (sighs) reveal a remake of Dino Crisis. Mm -hmm. Am I going to get mad at that fact? Well, if the answer is yes, then that's about 22 years of anger that I'm living with. Sure. Right? At a certain point, it's stupid for me to to harbor that want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because nobody's been fueling that fire. So yeah. I think it's the same way where it's like if you walk in expecting to see something for Metroid Prime 4 every mm. single event. You're going to be disappointed. You're setting yourself yeah. up. You are the owner of your machinations. Yeah. You've created a kingdom in your head of malcontent yeah. yourself. And Nintendo doesn't live there. But you're holding them accountable for the plumbing. It doesn't make <laughs> sense at a certain point. Like you need to dial the fuck back. Yeah. Right? Like I, th- I think that's what it is. But there's always going to be that... I don't know, those groups, mm-hmm. right? That are gonna, That's the first thing they're going to talk about, what's not there. Mm. And I think that speaks to maybe a deeper-seated psychological thing that, that happens mm-hmm. when it comes to being a part of fandoms, right? Sure. Where it's like we're always on the lookout for a reason to be angry and loud and be heard. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we want that attention. We want to be heard from these studios, that they are making decisions based off of what I want. But sometimes they have to make decisions based off of what they can do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. I think we we get these kind of, like, siloed events that really, like, hype up people way, way, way too much. And, like, I get it. Like, a Nintendo Direct is an exciting 
thing. But that's not the only avenue for like release news and things to happen. Like Nintendo will announce stuff just kind of on the side or do like a small like okay. 10 minute direct here and there like to reveal a thing. And I think like those things are common and you will get like your expectations and, and things delivered in those things more often than I think these bigger directs these days. And it's also too we're kind of like four years out at this point from the switch release which is crazy to think actually they're not gonna have a fucking like landmark year year after year like they did at launch anymore like it's we're at this point now where it's like you're hitting kind of like the second phase or kind of mid console like wave of the switch and they're gonna probably take more time to come out with these things that they're trying to curate and come out with whereas like a lot of these other titles had probably been in the works for a long while (laughs) Uh, that they had at launch or the year after. So it, it, these things are going to take time, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's it's okay for Nintendo to have these events where it's like we're showcasing kind of a, a wide array of things. We're sorry that you had this kind of high hope for Mother 3 or Metro <laughs> 4 or yeah. fucking whatever, you know. Uh, I will say, like, every time a Direct or Nintendo-related thing happens, I am one day hopeful that we will get uh, Ocarina of Time remake treatment of, of sorts. When it doesn't happen, am I a piss baby about it in the forums? I'm like, no, I'm not. It's just like a thing that I thought would be cool that didn't happen. Oh, well, something else will happen that I'll be okay with, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine, you know? I, I think these two companies, specifically Blizzard and Nintendo, get a lot of shit because their games and products take a long time to curate, gestate, and come out. And then when they don't, or there's no announcement for it, people are just, they come at them with the fucking Reinhardt hammer. They're like, all right, we're yeah. fucking coming down on you guys now. Fuck y'all. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're coming down on you in a thing that we haven't paid for yet. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're paying you our attention. And we think that's worth as much. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, that entitlement, too, of like, oh, well, we're giving you our attention, so you you need to give us everything we deserve to see. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no. Nope. <laughs> that's um, what I'd like to call unrealistic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I, I walk into these things wanting to be surprised. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's yeah. that's the end of that arrangement, right? <laughs> you know, like I can have predictions and maybe things that I want in mm-hmm. the back of my head, but I think we've been around long enough to understand that don't always shake out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like, why would I continue to kind of walk on those coals that I am? I have literally laid out those coals. <laughs> I set them on fire. I took off my shoe. I took off my Crocs mm-hmm. and decided to dance on them and be like, "Why, Nintendo? Why did you do this to me?" Yeah. And Nintendo's just like, he, "Kevin did what? We, yeah, what, why did you do that? Kevin did what? Why are you like flagellating yourself out and fucking <laughs> on coals? What's happening?" <laughs> I think the worst part is when other people feed into that kind of mm-hmm. negative mind share, where other people go like, "Yeah, you're right. Nintendo is corrupt for not giving us Metroid Prime Four. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? Right? I think um, let's focus a little bit more on what is in front of us instead of what's not, mm-hmm. and maybe things might be a little easier to get on by, right? Um, and then another argument too is, um, there is a silent majority of people that watch these things and go, Hey, that was cool. Like yeah. us. We're like, Hey, that was cool. Whatever. There's a couple of things that I took away from that. Cool. Let me mm-hmm. walk away. Thanks for this, uh, doing an event in the, to yeah. begin with. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at yeah. where it's like, okay, well, 2021's already been kind of like a null landscape of releases and things. And like, yeah. Oh, this is kind of the first thing outside of like maybe the resident evil showcase where I'm like, Oh, there's stuff to kind of look forward to down the line this year. Yeah. And I was cool with that. <laughs> 
Um, but like, I, I think we also give like way too much gas to the people that are outspoken and loud sure. and think that that, that they make up the mentality of a group, mm-hmm. right? No, they're just loud. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's just a, a small it, subset of very extremely loud people that think they're making a, just this righteous point about how corrupt and fucked up Nintendo is for not showing them Breath of the Wild 2 trailers. Mm-hmm what the fuck (laughs) you know it's like we should learn to not pay mind to that kind of thing anymore not support it i mean it's it's not just like kind of secluded to nintendo we see it across like all fan bases like xbox sony blizzard with their events it's like you have these kind of toxic representatives of the fan base that people skewed as the whole yeah it's like this like group of 10 people screaming about how shitty a company blizzard is (laughs) for a diablo immortal it's like well maybe some people were cool with that you know like also maybe that's a passion project that they really wanted to put together or whatever the case may be right when you come at them in these like really vitriolic ways you're actually taking the steam out of something they probably were really excited to announce which kind of sucks i mean that 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 again it's like the two-way thing yeah one yeah I, i can see how well first of all maybe blizzard should have had a little bit of foresight to understand that a mobile spinoff of one of their key franchises is not very exciting as like your fucking benchmark title yeah but at the same time it's also super i don't know it's super shitty to have been that guy like is this an off-season april fool's joke like i always remember like i looked at like both in the scenario i'm just like everyone's wrong yeah (laughs) you know i was like i feel everyone's being a little pathetic right now Mm -hmm. and i just don't want to be a part of it i don't even want to have a fucking opinion on it i just (laughs) want to walk away just be like ugh, you know yeah you ever see like people fighting in a grocery store and you're just like ugh, and just like want to walk i'm gonna just go to the self-checkout and leave as soon as possible yeah instead like we have this inclination to be like all right which side am i on who's right (laughs) you know i'm just like no one's right yeah literally just back okay yeah i don't give a fuck about a mobile game whatever let me move on with my life not enough to be like uh what are you doing to the fan base (laughs) shut the fuck up it's ridiculous (laughs) it's super conflated too it's way too conflated Uh, i don't know it's it sucks because i i definitely get an amount of hype for things and when things get you know revealed too early sure i get disappointed when it takes like five years to come out like Looking at something like Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm-hmm. where that was a game that got teased at like an E3, I think it was like, what, E3 2015, 2016, yeah. where they, they first showcased it, and I fucking blew my mind, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for this. But it also in my mind, I was like, okay, I can't wait for this, but also I want it to be ready when it's ready, and not a day sooner. Um, whereas on the flip side, for the longest time, I kind of elevated the idea of kingdom hearts 3 being a thing when it was never formally announced in any capacity or was never a thing and every <laughs> when it console, came out it wasn't a thing. whenever <laughs> whenever console generation happened like a ps3 and we didn't get kingdom hearts 3 i was letting myself down but yet that was never a thing that like square enix officially announced or said was happening we just kind of assumed it was but then obviously there became a point where they're like hey this is a development obviously sure um so i think there's there's kind of two sides of it. Like there is a part of everybody that kind of has a headcanon for something they want to see. And then also like the side where it's like, okay, cool. Something was announced and we're disappointed when it doesn't come out. You know, I think Mm. the people who are getting super pissed off are in both camps, but I think you and I are just more tempered. Like you said before. Also, I'm a George RR Martin fan. So I'm used to being let down and things not coming out when they're supposed to. Mm. So like, I'm, I'm just used to it at this point. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm in the same way. I'm just like, okay, (laughs) <laughs> whatever yeah i'd rather I, I think it's easier for me to just focus on the things that they 
are willing to talk mm. about and willing to be like, hey, we have this in development, right? Yeah. I can always have my things that, you know, my wish list things. I wish there was a new Eternal Darkness. Yeah. I wish there was a new Dino Crisis. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a, a, a beat-em-up that was like a major industry crossover instead of fucking Smash because yeah. I'm not good at Smash. So yeah. it's like, that's my barrier of entry for enjoying it. I'm just like, I'm not good at that though. Yeah. But it sounds exciting. Yeah. You know, but it, it may not happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, why get fucked up on things that may or may not happen instead of what they are saying? Like, look, dude, Overwatch 2, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's probably just speaks to the sort of people who are just so already easily upset in their own life about things. And it just mm-hmm. translates to their fandom. And fandoms just can be toxic and kind of amplified in that the capacity already. Yeah, amplified, so. and then also like like I said, they get gassed up by yeah. other people. Like they're supported, and then suddenly it becomes well, it it just kind of um, what's the word? It uh, calcifies mm. this toxicity. Yeah, in such a such a wrong way. Where and then you end up giving everyone a bad look. People very easily throw around online. Oh, Nintendo fans are this way or that way, and it's like not the whole group <laughs> you know the same way not all sony fans you know mm-hmm. that love like you know god of war and stuff like that are are fucking bashing anything that microsoft does mm-hmm. or wants to like set fire to the competition no no i don't give a shit i love microsoft is out there doing great things with accessibility has cool games like the medium and hellblade mm-hmm. and shit but i still love my spider-man and my god of wars and my bloodborns you know yeah I just like games, dude. Maybe not try to draw lines in the sand so much. I know. Maybe that's the thing. Fucking (laughs) deny the self-righteousness of being on a side. Okay. Because it does not matter. It does not matter. And all it does is it makes things harder on everyone around you. I would say like draw lines and and make stances on things that matter. There we go. Yeah. These these are video games. Yeah. 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 So let's correct that. (laughs) Try not to draw so many fucking lines about media when it comes to just like, I don't know, this inherent tribalism towards media don't it's I think, toxic yeah i think we can all come together and say something like okay the, the studio behind six days in fallujah bad don't do that yes <laughs> but also like at the end of the day we're getting pissed off over video game commercials and like head <laughs> hype just chill yeah. out like just chill out dudes like, let's put your head nice yeah you know like crown of ice when you're upside down it looks like a cra- somebody holds up your <laughs> they, they hold yeah hold by the ankles and just yeah. dunks you into some ice that's how we're gonna get through this okay together <laughs> is that a new fatality that's that- zero does <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it's a part of the story okay. there's a lot of meaning to it it's part of the ebb and flow of the fight sub-zero's like what do i do and then he sees a mop bucket <laughs> <laughs> he grabs a scorpion, dunks his head. There you go. Good Boom. Stuff. There we go. All right, I think we're done. I think so. I think I think we went a little overlong on this one. Yeah, that's um, fine. At the end of the day, just fucking good luck, have fun, enjoy video games, guys. That that's it. That's Don't it. Be assholes about it. That's it. Yeah, love it. Be good to each other. Anyway, uh, follow us on Spotify. <laughs> Do the the Twitter plug. Ah, uh, Twitter plug. You can find us on Twitter at Save Room Show if you want to twat at us. Oh God, I hate that. Jack likes it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, like we said, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Just look up The Save Room Show. You will find us. We mm. stream on Twitch as well. Mm. Twitch.tv slash The Red Herb and Twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. Figure out which one of us is which. Mm, that's ah, true. That's it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Remember to save your damn games. Bye. Bye.